Hello, everyone. Austin Eller here with the Frame Skip podcast, and we've got kind of an interesting show for you this week. We're all kind of down for a break, so we are taking the week off. But in the meantime, we're going to rebroadcast an episode from actually a couple of years ago that we did on Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. We initially had the idea of going through and watching uh, some of the Star Wars movies, starting with the sequel trilogy and kind of going through giving our thoughts on those. And so this was one uh, project that we started and, and frankly never continued with. And so you will be listening, following me talking here to this, uh, this episode on, again, Star Wars Episode 7. And then next week, we will be returning this series and we will be talking about Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. So I'd highly recommend uh, watching The Last Jedi before next week's episode so you can tune in with us and listen live as we discuss that that uh, interesting, for lack of a better word, uh, edition of the Star Wars franchise. So in the meantime, enjoy this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, as a reminder, this was before our rebrand a few months ago. This was before we did video. So you will not be seeing our faces if you're watching this rebroadcast on YouTube. But our beautiful mugs will be back next week. So until then, enjoy. Frame. Get ready. It's going to be a very, very intense journey. Begin. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me in this Star Wars conversation. I am joined, of course, by the coach, Kyle Newman. What's up, brother Seth? What's, what's up, buddy? And uh, George, do you still want to go by Cam Newton Loftus? It's not football season anymore. It's not football season. Um, it's baseball season because I think the Celtics are going to get bounced in the first back-to-back like playing games i'll stick with cam i'm still excited for football yeah it's always football season it's a good point so gentlemen this is of course a spinoff episode from our normal series of frame skip and we wanted to talk about star wars and i wanted to have a discussion around the sequel trilogy first because i feel like out of almost anything in nerd culture, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars might be the most divisive set of movies ever? Maybe? I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that, that was more divisive and had more vitriol surrounding it of nerd culture than Star Wars. Episode 7, 8, 9. Which is really strange to me. Because I think this is why you wanted me on the podcast. I think it's the second best trilogy. Like, I mm-hmm. think it is hands down got the second best bang for buck. Like, just proportion, like, ratio. Like, the best stuff happens in that second most. Uh, obviously, first is the original trilogy. I really can't stand the prequel trilogy whatsoever. I think it is abhorrent cinema. And I think episode one is the best of the three. <laughs> Yeah, so the reason I wanted, and I was so excited to have this, was because we all have vastly different views on this trilogy. Uh, George, I know you like it quite a lot, and Coach, I know you dislike the sequels quite a lot, and I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I think it starts out really strong and then drops off pretty pretty uh intensely i will say that this is episode seven 
is my favorite of the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. By far, it's my favorite. And um, it's it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad Star Wars movie. It's it's good. And, you know, we're going to talk about the good points and the bad points. So, um, but yeah. Well, I wanted to start out by talking about the context of this movie. Because I feel like you can't talk about this movie in a vacuum without understanding the context and where it came out in. So, the movie was released on December 18th, 2015. It's hard to believe that was uh, six years ago. Well, like five and a half. Um, And it was the first live-action Star Wars movie since 2005. Uh, We had the Clone Wars movie, which wasn't great that came before the clone Wars series and i think i don't remember exactly what year that came out but i want to say like 2009 2008 yeah it was like a year or two after um revenge of the sith yeah i remember it, it not being very well received and that kind of taking a lot of the steam out of the animated series which is unfortunate because the animated series is great but <laughs> you you don't like the clone wars I'm not the biggest Clone Wars fan. Hmm. That is an unpopular opinion, sir. I know. Rebels, man. Um, Rebels is, is great, but Clone Wars. I War, agree. Man. Rebels is Rebels is really good. Um, especially season two. Yeah, especially season two. So I, I wish they would have kept the more PG nature of the Clone Wars, though. I thought that it got a little too uh, child-friendly, but it's still good. The story designs are, are really good. Um. But at the point when Episode 7 had come out, we hadn't really gotten a major Star Wars release in a long time. And I think the general consensus was that Star Wars had kind of stagnated. The prequel trilogy was not very well received. And we weren't getting much interesting stuff from the Expanded Universe at that point. We had already kind of seen the next 100 years in the Expanded Universe. So Disney bought Lucasfilm on October 30th, 2012, uh, right before Halloween. And that gave them a little over three years to come out with uh, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And that was actually delayed. Uh, It was supposed to come out in the spring or fall, I think. But it got pushed back to December. And the script was completed on... I think it said it was completed over six weeks and the script was completed in 2014 as, or 2013 as well. So the reason I'm saying this is because I think this movie was doomed from the start to have a lot of fan vitriol because on January 6, 2014, Disney made the controversial... Yeah, in my opinion, necessary move to scrap the EU, uh, the expanded universe. And I wanted to pull up uh, this this Wikipedia entry here. Give me one second. Because I think this Wikipedia entry um, is really telling of of why this trilogy had so many issues 
the first screenplay was written by Michael Ardent. I'm, I'm not very familiar with him. And then they took him out of it and replaced him with J.J. Um, Abrams. And he was named the director in 2013. Um, Abrams expressed relief that the release date was announced for December 2015 instead of a previously discussed summer release. He and Kasdan planned the story while walking in Santa Monica, New York City, Paris, and London. The first draft was completed in six weeks. Abrams said the film was to be returned to the roots of the first Star Wars films and be based more on emotion than explanation. In January 2014, Abrams confirmed that the script was complete. In April 2014, Lucasfilm clarified that episodes 7 through 9 would not feature storylines from the Star Wars Expanded Universe, so other elements could be included, as with the TV series Star Wars Rebels. So, there's the, the kind of the context of how this movie was developed, and I can't imagine that while the Expanded Universe is in such turmoil and you're writing a movie that's supposed to take place in that, that you're going to get very consistent writing. Do you guys see what I'm saying there? Yeah, no, and I get it. And even to this day, I wonder why the the Disney execs, like Kathleen Kennedy, why they didn't go to Timothy Zahn, why they didn't go to uh, Michael Stackpole, uh, these authors that have been writing for them for, for help, for guidance, you know, because JJ Abrams, he's not a star Wars guy. He, right? is, he is a star Wars guy. The reason he took star Trek was because he said he really cares about star Wars. He would never direct a star Wars movie because he was afraid he would ruin it. Like he wants to enjoy star Wars. So that was why he directed star Trek. Cause he said, quote, I don't really give a shit about star Trek. So I'll, <laughs> I'll direct that. He's a huge Star Wars guy. Like he's like the he's the student of Spielberg. Like this is very very much like his yeah, but, jam. And but the thing is 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 at least with David or David Filoni, uh, at least with uh, Filoni and John Favreau, but with Filoni through the Clone Wars and through uh, Rebels, he kept it with the way that Lucas would have done it. Right? He kept it in that. Uh, in that realm, but we see that Abrams and uh, who, who's the author of the second one, Ryan Johnson. They they kind of started to do their own thing, right? They kind of started to implement things that I don't think Lucas would have. That doesn't really make a lot of sense, which we'll talk about in right. a bit. So I wanted to read this second entry because that's what I wanted to talk about. Also, is that Disney made, in my opinion, the, the baffling decision to have three different directors for the sequels. Um, why, is that, why is that baffling? The original trilogy had three different directors. And I know that. I understand that. Um, but the thing is that it's pretty clear to me when, when watching these movies that they didn't have any plot laid out. And that was later confirmed when... Uh, I forget which writer came out and said that throughout the whole sequel trilogy, they kept changing Ray's parentage until they yep. finally landed on, on the Palpatine. And I was kind of, that was kind of like the big thing to me because um, as, as we'll talk about here a little later, they tease Ray's parentage quite a lot, especially in this early, this first movie. 
And for them to not really have any sort of solid plan is 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 quite strange to me and i don't have a problem with having three different directors but at least have one coherent storyline um but here was the, here's the the uh wikipedia art uh, part that i wanted to read abrams stated that he purposefully withheld some plot elements from the force awakens such as ray and finn's last names and backgrounds kennedy uh, Kathleen Kennedy admitted that we haven't mapped out every single detail of the sequel trilogy yet, but said that Abrams was collaborating with Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson, and that Johnson would work with the Rise of Skywalker's then director Colin Trevorrow to ensure a smooth transition, and that everyone got a say in how we move forward with this. Daisy Ridley later recounted that J.J. Yes, Abrams had written that. drafts for episodes eight and nine. So, I find all that quite strange because it seems to me that Ryan Johnson, when he took over the last Jedi took a curveball to, to JJ Abrams story. And that can be felt in the third movie in which JJ Abrams clearly gave a middle finger to Ryan Johnson in, in the um, dialogue, especially with Luke Skywalker. I, I can't, see how you could see Luke Skywalker scene in the third movie and not view it as anything other than a giant middle finger to, to Ryan Johnson. You know? Um, no, it was in direct conflict with everything that he said was his philosophy in episode eight. So it was absolutely right. a giant middle finger. Um, right. So that's what I'm saying. It, it seems that there was giant conflict within the, the, the writing team of the sequel trilogy. And I don't understand why Disney would spend so much money on Star Wars and then rush it out the gate for, for no reason. You only get to make the sequel trilogy once, you know, you, you would think that they would want to have a solid plan and execute that plan. Well, because we also see later on that um, Colin Trevorrow, Tre- am I spelling, pronouncing that Trevorrow. right? Trevorrow. Trevorrow. He had a finished script for episode nine. And if you read through it, it sounds super dope. It sounds uh, it sounds really cool. That guy is super cool. I was a film major at University of Vermont. And that guy lived in Burlington at the time. And right when his movie, Saves Not Guaranteed, was coming out, he actually came in and did like a QA and a at our, our class. Like that guy is super cool. Yeah, well, did you read his leaked script that came out for the Duel I of Fates? I did not, know. It, it had a lot of really cool elements, and I'll be honest, when I read that script, I was like, mm, I wish Disney wouldn't have pulled him. I wish he would have gotten it was able to make this, because it was way better than the episode 9 that we actually got. Here's In my the, opinion. Yeah, I mean, I guess, is this... Is this first episode going to be just about like the trilogy at large, or is it going to be about no, episode no, no. seven? Okay, it's going to be about episode seven. I just wanted to frame the context of, of episode seven in the sequel trilogy before we move into the, the actual okay. beat by beat of the movie. All right, then I will um, save my episode nine criticism for for episode nine. Then yeah, and there's a there's a lot of criticism to levy at episode nine for sure, for sure. Um, so do we does it do we have anything else? This I I will I do want to say I generally love episode seven. I think episode seven is a, gr- a great movie, a little too similar to a new hope in my, for my taste, but I think it's super enjoyable. I watched, I think four times the theater. I remember crying 
when the uh, Star Wars music hit and the the, the pre roll came out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I when I heard that, I was like, I can't believe that I'm actually sitting in the theaters watching a Star Wars movie on opening night again because because it, it seemed like for the longest time we were never going to see this. I mean, Lucas said over and over and over again he wasn't going to make sequels. Turns out he was kind of a liar because he wrote uh, drafts yeah. for for the plots. I don't know what he was waiting for. I guess he just hates money, but... Um. Well, I mean, obviously the dude's like a perfectionist, you know? Like, I <clears throat> I don't know how you could see what he's done to his own original trilogy, which is like a beloved movie series and has been pretty beloved since it came out, you know? Like, yeah, it's not like people... It's not like it took time for people to come around to the idea of Star Wars. It was pretty immediate. And the fact right. that he just always goes in and tinkers every different format release you know tinkered before vhs came out tinkered before like the laser disc and <laughs> tinkered on like the 20th anniversary like it's just it, it's infuriating you know and then like tinkered yes. before the blu-ray cuts and it's just like there's always something like a little different so i i do believe that he wasn't intending to make a sequel trilogy because this dude seems like kind of haunted and consumed by his art and a desire for it to be innovative and transformational uh, which is ironic because, like, I think the movies are super derivative, and that's why I love it because it synthesizes all these different feelings you get from different types of art, different types of storytelling, and jams all that together in one thing, which I think is like really cool. Like, you're just getting a whole, it's like a buffet of different feelings from from watching stuff, which is why I like him. So I don't believe he's going to make a uh, a sequel uh, story. But I don't I know if he wanted to because of how mean people were to him. True. I mean, like, there were adults that were acting like little four-year-old kids, you know, uh, with their displeasure of Jar Jar, with their displeasure of Anakin, um, and with their displeasure of Jake Lloyd. Well, unfortunately... And all all three of those actors have had a tough time, you know? Right, yeah. And what... What's it? What's his name? Ahmad Best. Is he the one that did Jar Jar? Yeah. He, I think he even had thoughts of suicide because he just got put into a dark place. So, you know, Lucas was like, why? Why continue doing this if if this is if if people are going to suck like this in our fandom? Also, why be mad at the dude when it was clearly George right? Lucas who wrote the dialogue, who directed, who oversaw like the exact special effect production that went into making? It's like. I mean, I guess he could be mad at, at the guy, but like, it's really like George is the one pulling the strings there, like quite literally. Right. Um, and unfortunately, that is something that we saw get repeated in the sequel trilogy. I mean, the, the fans were absolutely rabid towards the actors. Um, you know, all the main cast have said pretty clearly they don't want anything to do with Star Wars anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't really blame them because I, I, I think I think all of them did excellent jobs in their acting and portrayals of the character, especially Daisy Ridley. Um, and they just got crapped on for it. <laughs> that's, that's the worst part. Like they're literally doing what someone else told them to do. And what no doubt hundreds, like dozens, if not hundreds of people had a hand in contributing towards, you know, like yes. just in terms of like deciding the actual story direction. Like there's no way they didn't have a discussion about every single scene that was in that movie dozens of people hundreds of people right right and so it's just like why are, why are you getting mad at the like literally like don't don't shoot the messenger like they're the ones who are telling someone else's story right now you think john boyega had any hand in 
constructing like how Finn was supposed to deliver this one line. Like, nah, man, he didn't. <laughs> like, he absolutely. And he did was not. such a highlight in this movie too. Absolutely. I really like. I really like Finn's character. He crushed it in this, and Oscar yeah. Isaac was so good. And yep. Uh, um, God, their chemistry yeah, so is talk, awesome together. It's let's so talk good. about some of the characters. Uh, specifically, I want to talk about the main cast because there's a main cast of three, which was only supposed to be a main cast of two. Uh, Poe was supposed to die in this movie up until I believe very late in, in filming, and you can kind of feel that because like he's absent from like eighty percent of the movie. Yeah. Um, but what? What do you guys think of the character of Ray, played by Daisy Ridley? Overall, for this episode? Episode 7, In a okay. Vacuum. So, at the beginning, I fell in love with her character. Because she was a loner. She was on this world by herself. So, she was a survivor. And when she took out those guys trying to get BB-8, you know at the little um, bazaar, wherever, you know, when she met up with uh, Finn, mm-hmm. that was like awesome. I thought that was awesome. You know, she had her weapon and uh, she took him out. So at that point, and even with the fact that she jumped into the Millennium Falcon, not knowing how to fly it, where she was able to fly it, I was okay with that because that that in itself was a cool scene with the, the, tie, the two TIE fighters chasing her, right? I really liked that scene, but it was the last um you know the last part of the movie where i didn't like but we'll get to there yeah but overall i liked her character all right george uh i absolutely yeah i'm with coach i loved her also one thing i really want to point out is i think her like the, her theme her score is mm-hmm. like incredible because that seemed to like marry like sort of like the traditional star wars trickle with like a little like excitement from like the harry potter stuff that john williams did like i just i thought that was like a really really powerful just like little tiny like tiny part of the movie it was just like the music associated with her but i thought that stuff was really right. good um yeah i'm with coach I, i'm with coach except i didn't fall off like um i'm sure we'll come to this like towards the end of it but if if you're telling me about space wizards i'm going to believe that they can instinctually do stuff that doesn't make sense um well i think when you craft a fantasy world and there's obvious examples of this um but but tolkien is one of of the best i always put him in the the top tier for crafting fantasy worlds you craft rules around that get followed and i think one of the biggest tragedies of the sequel trilogy is they consistently break the rules of star wars uh in in ways that don't really make sense because they create a lot of plot holes uh specifically with Ray's character I'm with you guys I absolutely love Ray and you know I sat here and I tried to think of the reasons I like Ray's character and I really can't give you many other than I think Daisy Ridley did an excellent job acting I think she's just a fun character um she's got a cool design to her and that's 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 pretty much all I can come to because when you look at her story on paper, there's really not a whole lot to work with. She's just kind of this loner. And I think a lot of the episode seven's reason why I liked her so much is because of the mystery surrounding her character, they pull you in with this hook. Like who is this girl and why is she able to do the things she's able to do? And what's her parentage? Because it's not like they're, they, they, they just dump 
information on you about her parentage. They specifically leave it. They, they specifically, and we'll get to this later on. There's a specific scene that they leave ambiguous about who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with Han Solo and Maz Kanata at the at the bar, they they make yeah. it very obvious that there was something else going on here. When the, she asks, "Who's the girl?" Yeah, because she asks her, "Who's the girl?" And then the scene cuts very hard, and it's yeah. like. Hmm. You guys were, were purposefully trying to, to make us think something else was going on. Who did who did you guys think uh, she was the kid of? Oh, I think I, I I did think, and I still think to this day that the original plan was for her to be a Kenobi. Yeah, I thought it was Kenobi and Satine. Um, yeah, yeah, which would have been dope. The storylines lined up a little too too weird for me for it to not be like that. Um, especially with Obi Wan talking to her when she picks up the lightsaber. And it would ju- it would have just made sense because then it would have been the son of or the, the the offspring of Kenobi and the offspring of Anakin Skywalker at the end, just like a generational thing. I think that would have made a lot of sense, mm-hmm. but that's obviously not what we got. Uh, but let's move on to Finn, who I think has one of the coolest backstories yes. and the coolest stories of, of, of any character in uh star wars the turncoat stormtrooper which i think is an awesome story i think he got absolutely shafted after this movie in terms of his story uh yeah with almost no character development whatsoever Mm -hmm. after this movie but in this movie he's very cool and he's just like this 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 funny guy and you see from the beginning of the movie something went wrong with his brainwashing and he's just a, a dude with a good heart who just chose he didn't want to be part of the empire. What do you what do you guys think of uh, of Finn? Well, I felt for him when he uh, when they got back over to the uh, the big dreadnought, right to the uh, superstar destroy whatever you want to call it, and he he took off his helmet, right, yeah. and he was having an and, and he was having an anxiety attack, right, because yeah. of what he just witnessed. So, you know, a lot of soldiers go through that, right? right. So that, that's modern day. So, um, but yeah, they started his character off with, with this movie so strong, right? Just so strong. And he was the high, he was one of the highlights of the movie, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Dude was just super cool. Like yeah. from the first scene, cause it was really nice because i don't know like when you see a character like kylo ren like that i think that opening scene where they like go down to are they they're on jakku right like that's like where the old dude is hiding um and and kylo ren is just has that one line is just like look how old you've become like i don't know like i don't know the context for that whatsoever but it's just it's such a badass opening line where it's just the first thing he's doing is just taking a dump on this like highly respected actor who is in fact super old uh, I really love that. <laughs> and then um, just like seeing like the one stormtrooper like struggle because like I think as the audience, like we've been waiting so long for more Star Wars stuff. And like we don't know anything about this era of Star Wars. This was like our first introduction to it. But like right. we know so much about Star Wars that we're trying to like fill in the gaps. 
And so you see the the First Order troopers, and so you're immediately like, archetypes, I get this. These are the stormtroopers. This is what they've become. And then to just immediately see one, like Coach said, have an anxiety attack and panic, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is actually like a different Star Wars, because all we've ever seen people who dress like this do is follow orders implicitly without hesitation. And just die. Yeah. (laughs) And be bad at their job. Um, Yeah. And so just to immediately see that, that I thought was like such a cool way to introduce that, like, this is going to be a different feeling Star Wars, which is super ironic because this movie is just like, it's episode four, man. Like, all due respect, (laughs) like, it is just, it is just such like a close proximity to episode four, but it does so many things, I think, very interesting. And like, Finn is just such a cool place to like pick a main character from. I wish they kept him as the main character. Or a yes. main character, yeah. but I mean that's just such a he could have gone such a cool place far. to start. He did, even if he didn't, because some people were speculating that he had um, force um, abilities. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, even with that, um, I mean, he had his military training, so I get it how he could wield the the lightsaber a little bit. A little bit, but anyways, that, I mean, I get that. That makes perfect sense to me. Like, I understand that, like, to be god tier with a lightsaber, you need to be like highly endowed with the force. But it's really, it's, it's just a stick made out of light, man. Like, you're telling me that they don't have some kind of combat form in Star Wars that operates with a stick, and that a dude can just like make pretty educated guesses with it, even though he's not a Jedi. Like that part, I thought made perfect sense. Like, uh, Kyle Katarn was that way, right? In the the dark forces games like uh yeah at first uh, but again the eu wasn't written by people that i would say were consistent uh and, and kyle katarn's story is like out of control if you like, if you follow it because like he picks up a, a lightsaber and like three days later he kills a dark jedi in that the the Asian uh, dark Jedi with the yellow lightsaber, I forget his name, but yeah, don't don't love that. Um, but that's I mean, it's it's whatever, you know, like it's a fine yeah. game. I, I think um, they gave him too much uh, of an ability at the end when he was fighting Kylo. I agree. Now, and we're gonna get to Kylo's character. Kylo's power level is so inconsistent, though that you never really know if this dude's like legitimate or if he's like a crybaby wannabe. That's, that's my biggest problem with him, but we'll get to him overall. I'd say, I'd say Finn top tier character. And then which rounds up the main cast with Poe. Poe, I, I think is the weakest of the three in this movie, especially because he wasn't supposed to live. And then I forget the reason they brought him back, but I, th- I assume it's because Oscar Isaac has just nailed the character and the f- relationship between phone or pit. I can't speak Finn, Finn. and Poe. I-, I almost said foe and then and pin. P- I was like, yeah. <laughs> that, that dynamic between those two is so strong. And I think Poe plays a really important part of the movie by being like the ace rebellion pilot. And he's like the cool pilot because they that that that's like a, a vacuum that was that's been in Star Wars forever. Um, like Han Solo was like the cool pilot, you know, and this and Poe kind of takes over like the Han Solo cool guy role. He's the funny guy. He's the cool guy. He's the charismatic guy, and he's on the first of the main characters we see. He's he's in the very opening shot of the movie. What did you, what did you guys think of Poe? Poe, I liked him. 
I, I mean, like you you know my background with Rogue Squadron. So oh. that whole that whole scene when they were right above the water going to Maz's cantina, right? Oh, God. I thought that was that was an amazing scene, right? That was yeah, that was an amazing scene. Um, I got those characters I got good. chills. Yeah, that seems yeah. great. He had um, he had a good character, but yeah, they didn't utilize him as much as they should have. I think here's the one part. Here's my one criticism of that scene, and like I understand you need to make like the pilot cool because so much of Star Wars is space and traveling, and like I don't know, like there's like grounded pious religious Jedi, but then there's like this technological aspect that like you want someone to be able to take advantage of that just to create like, you know, a dichotomy, like good tension there. Like I get it. I kind of hated the fact that he was like sniping individual first order troopers with his X-Wing. Like I just thought, oh, that, yeah. I just thought that part was like dumb. I'm like, all right, yeah, you guys you know already what? established him as cool and badass Cause he killed like <laughs> nine tie fighters in a row. You don't need to have him bullseye individual people from, yeah. three miles away like that's it's just a little too far um, you know it's funny you were mentioning that because last night when i was watching it in that you know after that part uh, when he started sniping him i'm like okay that's a little much but like i think he's the most overpowered character in the entire movie like the ray stuff i can forgive the uh the finn stuff i can forgive especially because I, I read a theory on reddit that i really enjoy and i can't wait to bring it up with you guys but okay. like that part is just ridiculous <laughs> yeah I agree. I agree. And to be fair, if they try to give Poe some more character development in episode nine, but that movie needed to be like six hours long to fit all the plot that JJ Abrams tried to fit in episode nine, which made it a complete mess of a movie. But um, let's move on to the, the main villain, not Snoke, but Kylo Ren, because I hate Kylo Ren. And it's because I think he's such a good, relatable character. Because we've all known that guy, right? That snotty, like, just rich kid, can't handle any stress whatsoever. Like, kid that, like, we all hate, the spoiled guy. He's the son of Princess Leia and Han Solo. His uncle is Luke Skywalker. And it just seems like this kid is, this guy is spoiled and he has two major meltdowns in this movie, which are both just kind of funny to me but when he doesn't get his way. He takes his lightsaber to start smashing the inside of a spaceship. Not the best idea in my opinion, but he does it, <laughs> you know? I actually and, like those parts. Well, I, I like, I don't dislike them. I just think you can't make me take a character seriously when he has just meltdowns constantly. Like a child. Yeah. Like a child. Yes. So he's and, throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. But, he's throwing a temper tantrum. And that's, you can see why he was so easily influenced by Snoke. Um, because he's a child. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because, well, I think, I think he's actually in his late twenties in the force awakens. If I remember correctly, uh, it was like 10, it's been like 10 years since the attack on the Jedi temple. Right. I think so. Yeah. And he was like, he was like a, like a late teenager at that point when Snoke finally pulled him over. But it's weird because I remember sitting there thinking that this guy didn't have any sort of training. They never really expand upon who he was before he was Kylo Ren and why, he is the way he is. And I don't know if they were planning on going back and doing that 
in the later parts of the trilogy. But I remember just kind of thinking that he was a Padawan that turned to the dark side because he was powerful, because he was a Skywalker. And it turns out that's not really the case. I mean, it's kind of the case, but he he was pretty much like a Jedi Knight when he, he took down the entire Jedi Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a little far-fetched, but okay. I don't know. Jedi Academy was like 11 people. And it's not that like it was the best of the best. It was like the best of who's left after there was like, you know, a genocide right. of force sensitive people. <laughs> so right. It's, it's kind of like we're doing the best with what we can, guys. Like, I'm really like bear with us here. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we can't all be the the son or the, the nephew of Luke. I killed Emperor Palpatine Skywalker, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> like, uh, what did you guys think of Kylo Ren? Loved him. Absolutely loved him. Now explain why. Why why did why did you like Kylo so much? Um th- this trilogy is really hard for me to describe just because I think it is so conflicted in its messaging, but Kylo I thought immediately was like a stand-in for the audience. Like he was supposed to be like the Star Wars fan who couldn't let go of the past and who like needed everything to be similar in order for it to be like likable and relatable. Okay. And so because of that, I think making him like such a bratty, flippant kid was incredible. Like yeah. just being like, oh, hey, you guys, you want exactly what's happened before? Uh, we'll give that to you. But this is like the piece of crap you look like just so we're <laughs> 110% clear. Uh, but just like the fact that he's like doing his best like Vader impression, I think is like really yeah. pathetic. And like there's something like really cool about that because he's like trying so hard to be like Vader, but like he was dead. like so long before he was born you know like he just has like this idea of what vader is but like doesn't really understand the full commitment that vader went to it's just like no man i killed i was so scared of my wife dying i killed her are you like are you ready to commit to that (laughs) um i really like his design i like the lightsaber design um also him freezing like the blaster bolt midair is like one of the coolest things i've seen a jedi do or, yeah, that's sorry, one of the most sensitive. savage. That was one of the most savage moments. Like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> that opening scene is my second favorite of all. Uh, Sequel. Of all the uh, well, of all the eleven movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and that yeah. like I just think they did such a good job of introducing him as like a cool person. But like when he like kills solo sorry spoilers uh like he's literally him like killing the past like it's him being yeah. like no we're actually we're done with this and then that was like the full commitment arc for him in like episode eight about how you have to kill your past and then he just sort of is commit like it's just the fact that they like reforge his helmet immediately in episode nine is just like oh my god like you missed the point entirely of episode eight like there were so many middle fingers that jj was giving ryan johnson in episode nine and like the immediate reforging the helmet is one of them sorry we're getting ahead but like the fact that he was at least in my eyes like the stand-in for the petulant star wars fan i just think is like incredible it's also annoying and i think that's where star wars kind of got off the rails is the fact that it was so like metatextual and I'm like, no, that's like not really what I want for my Star Wars. I want like soap opera, or sorry, space opera, like kind of like contrived good versus evil. Like I want it to be like a really simple moral story. Right. I don't really care for the gray stuff. Like put that in the side stories. That's fine. But like for the main Star Wars, I want it to be like a sweeping epic of good versus evil, not moral ambiguity. And, like, don't make comments in Star Wars. Like, make comments about, like, authority. Like, super, like, general, vague things. But, like, I don't know. Episode 8 kind of loses me where I'm like, I don't need to see about, like, 
yeah, the, the mor- moral ambivalence of weapons manufacturers who are making a profit by selling to both the First Order and the Resistance. Um, that was a very prequel scene in Episode Eight, wasn't it? They oh my god, yeah, just like, well, we haven't talked about galactic trading routes at all. It's like, do you, <laughs> do you absolutely have to? <laughs> like, right. No one was really right. scratching their heads asking about the Oregon Trail of Star Wars, but all right, that's fine. Um, <laughs> right, so you don't... You don't think that there was going originally planned to be any redemption for Kylo Ren at the end of the trilogy? I was kind of hoping that there wouldn't be, but at the same time, like, that's a nice story. And, like, Mm -hmm. I subscribe to Star Wars for, like, honestly, like, kind of the simplicity of it. Like, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm excited to get to the prequel trilogy to tell you guys, like, exactly why I don't like it. Okay. But but the one thing I do like about it is the simplicity of it, where, like, it's it feels just like a Greek myth sort of like made with just really cool technology you know with spaceships and robots which is a kind of kind of my speed for star wars right so if you think about it in episode four a new hope vader was mysterious right we didn't know his backstory right we didn't know anything so i think they were doing that with kylo to an extent but my biggest question and even to this day remember when ray went down the basement when when she was at the cantina and mm-hmm. she touched uh, Anakin Skywalker or Anakin's lightsaber. Yeah. She had that vision where she was face to face with uh, Kylo and Kylo killed one of the Knights of Ren, right? That's what it seemed so what like. What was that? We, we don't know. That scene was never okay. explained. And that's, that's one of my biggest problems with this whole trilogy is there's so many questions that are left unanswered because of the conflict between the directors you know we have well we're gonna jump into the 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 plot of the movie here in just a second but we have so many things that are that i noticed when i was watching this again i was like there's just another scene that was never answered ever see initially i thought oh snap she was there at that time Mm -hmm. and somehow she has she forgot about final fantasy amnesia yeah right something like (laughs) that that. was a popular theory yeah so i was thinking when i was in the theater and i saw that i was like whoa whoa push pause let's let's what happened here what just happened you know what message is this what are they telling us What's really yeah. sorry. What's really funny though is it seems like they kind of evolved that power over the movies. Like someone like mis- like Ryan Johnson like misinterpreted it, and that's how like her and Kylo are able to have conversations like across <laughs> yes. time and space. Right? Really weird. The, the yeah, but I think that stuff. Force. I think that is so cool. Like I think that is like yeah, such, I did too. A, such I did a cool a new wrinkle that. to like the Jedi powers yeah. and like their relationship with each other and like, like how someone good could have that connection to someone seemingly bad. Like I think that's really cool. It's like a force Zoom call, you know? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> But Coach, what, what, rounding it out, what did you think about Kylo Ren? What, what, what's your impression of him in a vacuum in Episode Seven? I liked him because he was young, mm-hmm. and we saw he had vulnerabilities. He was weak in some areas, so it was like he was he. To me, it seemed like he was trying to. He it was too soon for him to be where he is at, right? Right. Way too soon for him to be leading the the. Uh, the new world order, basically, right? It was, so. it's such an anime thing, right? Where it's like, oh, uh, hey, here's this 16 year old who's like the lead general <laughs> of the the emperor, like the, the shogun's army. It's just like, well, yeah, he's 16, but uh, he don't, like, he got the best grades in school. You don't get it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you, and you got to remember, though, in the original trilogy, Leia 
it was Mon Mata who was the leader of that, but Leia was the second basically in command, I think. And, uh, but she was trained from a child on diplomacy and all that. Stuff, right. Sure. Right? Yeah. But, and then also like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the, the metaphors or, or like the, the implied commentary of this movie, because like in episode four, it was like a kid from a farm goes up against the big bad government. Like it's literally him and his young friends fighting old British people who are literally called Imperials who have a weapon that can destroy an entire planet in one thing. I'm just like, all right, so this is like a populist movie. Cause like, I, I believe that they didn't know that like Luke Skywalker was Darth Vader's kid when they filmed episode four. Right. I agree. And so th- at that point, like he was literally just like a farmer from podunk middle of nowhere standing up. Like it was such like a populist message, you know, um, about how it's like, no, it's like the little guy who can stand up to big bad government. Cause this was, I don't know, I guess 77, that was after Watergate, right? Or like, Oh yeah, it was after Watergate. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, a complete distrust of the government. So let's make a movie where we blow up the freaking government, you know? And so try to think of like that layer of like cause and effect from the real world into the star Wars movies. I'm, I'm like trying, See, trying to I think of it when I'm watching it. I've never wrote, um, read that much into it because I actually don't think, george lucas meant for any metaphors really i think george lucas personally this is going to sound sinful kind of a hack um because especially if you read into like the development of the original trilogy his wife changed so much that made it the trilogy that it was and a lot of people speculate that the reason he went back so much later to the prequels was after his really really nasty divorce and he was kind of like Look, I can do this on my own, and that's that's, that's like yeah. that's that's one of the theories about why he went back and, and changed so much, and why he went back and the prequels were so much different than the original trilogy, um, and why a lot of the original trilogy writing is so or the prequel trilogy writing is so bad was because and he I don't know if you guys have heard this before he originally wanted the, the main characters of the movies to be C three PO and R two D two. That was like a direct ripoff of like the beginning of like Hidden Fortress, which was like the two like thieves or like bumbling farmer t- type deal. Yeah. You know, like they were like the original intro to like the world that uh, Kurosawa was telling. Like that's what I meant by like this movie is just or like at least the original trilogy is just like so derivative of everything else that it just synthesizes all these different ideas into one cohesive ish thing, which I think is like yeah. what makes it interesting. Um, it's super like postmodern that way. And then I don't know if that makes the sequel trilogy. I don't know what comes after postmodern. Like it's almost like ironic or like meta. Textual. I would say like, the like, sequel trilogy is extremely meta. Yeah, I, and I, like I think, that's, it is. I, I think that's kind of frustrating to be completely honest. Um, Why do you say it's meta? It just seems like it screams so much at the audience because it's like it's it's like episode seven to me was like. You guys hated the prequels so much that we are going to give you exactly what you asked for. Okay. So that you can't, you, if you complain about it, you, your only complaint is this is exactly like the movie we love. And then episode <laughs> eight is, is, is so much the anti that. Yeah. And then episode nine is like, oh, you guys hated that so much. Oh, that was We're too gonna... different. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We're going to make sure everything is super familiar 
and yeah. recognizable. It's like, oh man, you know who's like, we don't want to make Kylo Ren the bad, bad guy. Who's, who's the best bad guy in Star Wars? Gotta be Sheev. Gotta be yeah. Sheev Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go back to that well. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking about that, one thing that I did appreciate about episode seven when I walked out of the theater, you remember during the early 2000s when all of this was happening, you had you had the the prequels and then you had the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? Right. So the Lord of the Rings trilogy, it wasn't all just green screen and blue screen. Right. I mean, they had natural environments. So that's what made it. And we, everything was still standard def back then, right? We didn't have high def. Yeah. So it looked amazing on screen, you know? And then when we go back to watch the prequels, we could see how everything was just, you know, green screen to the max. That's what I liked about uh, episode seven is there. I'm, of course, there was, but it felt natural. Right. You know, they were in natural spaces in the desert, you know, Maz Kanata's place. You know, they were in the when when Ray got um, when Ray and uh, Kylo first meet, it was in the jungle, you know, so it was a natural environment. And so I appreciated that. Well, that it wasn't like it wasn't Coruscant. And know? like BB-8 was like a real thing, you know, yeah, <laughs> like it was exactly. like a thing that actually existed in the space. Yeah. And they were just like, crap, we got to figure out how to make like a oh. ball work, which is awesome. It's so cool that they actually made it real. Right. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I noticed something and I've never picked up on it before. When, when First Order leaves, Leia's little ship comes down, right? Right. And. C-3PO walks out and he's like, oh, what's up, BB-8? I mean, like he starts having a conversation with BB-8 like he knew him. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of strange. But um, but yeah, but going back to BB-8, have you seen the making of for this movie? I no. have not. It is really cool how they did BB-8 because they had him. They had a guy in like a green, you know, the green screen suit. And there is it's like a lawnmower attachment kind of. <laughs> And so he was running, and so that's how BB-8's running. It's really awesome that's how they really did it. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it is really awesome how they did it. That's pretty awesome. Like, when they were in the sand running away from the TIE fighters that were shooting at him, right? That's super cool. Yeah, yeah, so it's so, really cool. Yeah, so let's, let's go into the actual movie, and I'm just going to start going through the plot. And and well, um, let's start with the first act. Yes, that's where I'm going to start right. from the beginning. I'm just going to start going through different things. Uh, and if you guys have something to say, just jump in. Um, so the movie opening is the nighttime on Jakku, and the movie immediately starts out with Poe getting a part of the map to Luke Skywalker from an unknown older man who is, by the way, never explained in the movies. He's only explained in the Kylo Ren comics. Yeah who he is. He was actually a friend of Luke Skywalker's and, and Kylo Ren's when he was Kylo Ren when he was younger. He went on the mission where Kylo became Kylo Ren. But, you know, I was okay with that because I knew that the two of them had a past. Right. I knew that that, that man knew Kylo probably when he was in diapers or Ben, right? right? We'll call him Ben. So I knew that there was history there just because of the dialogue. And I think the dialogue is so good in this opening scene between Kylo and I, f I forget the guy's name, 
But when he's when Kylo's like, look how old you've become, and he looks back and just snaps back and he goes, something far worse has happened to you. Yeah, that so is good. such a great the the conversation between those two. You know when when he goes that I forget the exact quote, but he's like, I know where you, I know where you come from. You know, I know who right. you are, and then Kylo Ren just snaps and ices this dude, just chops him down mercilessly. And you know, this is nitpicking. They had him flinch too much. You know, so? I, I, well, I mean, there, if a lightsaber was coming towards my face, I I feel like I might. You know, I just wanted him to be savage and just look him in the. Well, not in the eyes because he had his mask on. Like, okay, go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're we're getting a little ahead of ourselves though, because after the scene with Poe and the old man, the First Order invades the village. We don't really know why they invade this village. Uh, perhaps specifically for the the map to Luke Skywalker. No, we assume that like they were following Poe, don't we? Because it's like yeah, I, I didn't get that. That was that was the vibe no. I got. Because it was like right after Poe landed. Then my my assumption of. my assumption is they got intel that the old man is at this colony. That's yeah. that's what I that, that's what I came away with. Um, but after Poe gets the map and the First Order invades, Poe actually tries to run away. I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. And he tries to get in his ship and just dip, but his ship is shot down. And his ship is non-functional. He gives the map to BB-8 and tells him to run. And then Poe goes back to fight in the uh, to fight the First Order. And then in this conflict, we get what I think is an awesome scene of our first scene of uh, Finn, who is FN two one eight seven at this point, and the the bloody handprint that goes across his helmet. And he's the only stormtrooper there with a bloody handprint across his helmet. I think that's really, really cool. Not only does it allow you to keep track of him, see where he is in, in the scenes, it allows you to like be like, oh wow, this is pretty dark. Like this is this this opening scene is probably one of the darker scenes we ever get in Star Wars, right up there with like, you know, the Master Skywalker, what are we to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> A <laughs> poor little crap. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, my hero, Anakin Skywalker's here to save me. <laughs> Master um, Skywalker, what are we going to do? He just stupid little British idiot. Love and him. then Kylo, Kylo Ren walks out from the ship, and Poe Dameron immediately fires, and Kylo Ren just, like you said earlier, Coach, just alpha dogs him, just <laughs> suspends the bullet. And uh, captures Poe. And then they have a very brutal execution scene in the village where they just ball up the prisoners and they just fire. You know, they have the stormtroopers fire. And that's when that's the first time we see Finn. Yeah. Not that anyone, sorry, not that anyone in the First Order cares, but it was like it took us eight minutes to get to our first war crime. Like, right. That was, that was... <laughs> right. <laughs> The, th- the interesting thing about Finn being unable to shoot is that when Kylo Ren's walking back to the ship, he he feels it. And, that I th- and I think that's really interesting because it's almost as if Kylo Ren can just feel the emotions of everyone around him, which isn't something that I think we've really seen before. It seemed, to, in my opinion, it was always that the Jedi were able to hone in on specific individuals 
but it was almost in this point that Kylo Ren was able to feel everybody around him, which I thought was, was, was kind of interesting. Um, but you guys have anything to say about the, the opening scene or should we move yeah, on? like I said, this is my second favorite after, um, revenge of the Sith. Okay. Um, I think it was, it showed right away that Kylo Ren's got it right. Mm-hmm. He's strong <laughs> in the force. And, uh, you know, even with, uh, Poe, there's that little comedic moment, like, uh, who talks first here? You want me to talk? Do you talk? See, yeah, I that actually, was pretty funny. No, I actually hated that part. Because I think that the one of my bigger problems with the sequel trilogy is that their jokes sound exactly like MCU jokes. Like, just, like, tonally, it sounds like something that yeah. would be in a Marvel movie. And that's just, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you're, like, cross content. Like, yeah, I'm sure they got, like, the same script doctors that are helping out. And, like, the Marvel movies are generally pretty good. And I think these mm-hmm. movies are generally pretty good. But, like, when you just have, like, the same voice across such different properties that that I'm just like, come on guys, do a little bit better. Yeah. Um, gets even worse in episode eight. I hate that. Yes. I hate that. Game opening. Episode eight. Yeah. I hate that scene so much. Which yeah. one? Like when he's like, like the prank phone call that like Poe does in the beginning. Oh yeah. That was like lame. I mean, was, we'll get to that whenever we do it again. Yeah. yeah that was like <laughs> the biggest, the lamest thing I've seen in star Wars almost. Yeah. Jeez. That's, that's saying a lot. <laughs> so yeah, Kylo Ren takes Poe back. To get interrogated, and then we get. The, but we also oh, don't forget. We also see Captain Phasma for the first time too. We do see Captain Phasma. What a waste! <laughs> That's what I was about to say. The biggest Amen. waste of any character in Star Wars, I think. Well, we said that at first about Boba. Remember, because like Boba didn't get a lot of screen time. So there was almost similarities as far as... That's really cool, man. So 30 years from now, we'll get like a really good Captain Phasma show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Back in I don't... 2051, she'll crawl out of whatever wreckage she, she's in. Right. I do not understand what they were doing with Phasma because she just keeps coming back. And I don't think anyone cared about Captain Phasma. It's also and... weird because like... I love Gwendolyn Christie. Like she was awesome on Game of Thrones. And so it's just like one, why would you put her in this outfit and like cover up like her face? Cause like, I think she like does like facial expressions so well. Like she did sad on Game of Thrones, like perfectly. Right. And so it's like, all right, so you want to make her like a higher up. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, What does she like really do? It's like, Oh, nothing. (laughs) <laughs> like li- literally nothing except a just gets beat up. Yeah, b- files a TPS report about uh, you know the war crime they just committed on Jakku against a bunch of yeah. like old nomads, and then and um, was, gets shoved into a trash to... can later. You know, right. Right. she was trained how to disarm the uh, the 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 defense shields of you know the whole. Oh planet. yeah, later on, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um. So oh, then oh, the oh. movie cuts to the Star Destroyer where the, the First Order fleet is coming from. Uh, and that's where we get Finn's first, the look, first look at Finn's face. Like you said, Coach, he takes his helmet off, has the panic attack. Phasma, again, immediately jumps in to stop any sort of character development from going on at that scene. <laughs> you know, saying, who told you to take your uh, helmet off and, and place your blaster in for inspection and then meet me in my office. Um, that's pretty much all we get until we cut back to Jakku, and this is actually the first uh, scene we get of Ray, and I think this scene is absolutely stunning, where we see her scavenging, and then she, you know, zip lines down, and it ends up that this is a giant old star destroyer that she's in. 
and she's just in the exhaust port of the Star Destroyer, and then, you know, she slides down the hill. I think that's such a cool scene. Also, again, talk about metaphors, man. It's, like, literally a new character just, like, raiding the past, trying to take Mm -hmm. the best parts of something very familiar to the audience and just taking it, taking it, taking it, and then going to sell it. Like, sorry, I smoke a lot of weed and drink a lot of scotch and i was a film major so it's really hard for me to like turn this off i think i'd enjoy movies more if i could but like (laughs) it's just it's so hard to like watch this and be like that's a little on the nose my dudes (laughs) yeah so but that you know there's a lot of backstory with that um with that star destroyer you know because that crashed during the battle of jakku which i want to say is three three to four years after um Return of the Jedi. This is so. This is a discussion we we're having the other day. If it doesn't happen in the movie, I don't know if it right. counts. I, but I know. But I'm just saying there was. There's a backstory on that. That entire. And so, I just wish they would have gone more into detail about that somehow, some way. I mean, I don't see how they could have fit that in there. But it was a cool backdrop, right? Well, uh, see, I don't know. I kind of liked it because I always just kind of assumed there was other battles we never saw. You know, right. I, I never assumed that, okay, you blew up two spaceships of the Empire, but this is a galaxy-wide Empire. There's obviously way more fighting to go on. So I just assumed that Jakku was another battlefield where the, the, the fighting happened. And by the way, before it I It was in Battlefront 2, by the way. I know, and I'm playing through that story yeah. right now. And um, I haven't gotten there yet. Before I move on, I do want to say that I think the world in episode seven over the whole sequel trilogy is really confusing because the opening crawl says that it's a time for the republic right then the first order has crept up from the 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 outer rim or something but it it does not seem it doesn't seem like that first off they they they, there's the republic and then there's the rebellion and the resistance it's so strange. Yeah, that re- and that, it seems like that a, is they, so confusing. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand because like it wouldn't be a resistance or rebellion if it was part of the Republic, who is the main government force in the galaxy right now. But yeah. it, it, the movie isn't framed like that. It's framed like the First Order has control of the galaxy, and the Republic is still like Episode right. Four, Five, and Six like, Republic. It's very strange, and they never explain it. Well, they don't need to after this movie, but. <laughs> so if if you watch, it was very hard to watch, but I did. But the the, the cartoon um, Star Wars Resistance, you see how people that are in the Republic look down at the Resistance. That doesn't make any sense. It's their, it's their standing army. Right. So Wait, I thought yeah, it that, wasn't their standing army. I thought it was like they ha- they don't have an army because they won. They beat the empire, and then this is like a little outfit that was like gathering arms to fight off the first order. I think it's more like that because one of the the main characters in the show, his name is Kaz. His dad, uh, or he was actually in the um, basically the air force for the. Um, the, what should we call it? The uh, not the, the rebellion, but no, not the resistance, but the republic. He was a republic officer, and then he ended up being with the resistance or working with the resistance. So it's it's really 
it's really confusing how it is, but just know that the resistance is like, eh, they're, they're just, you know, want to be soldiers basically. Well, they could have used them when their whole planet system got bombed. Um, <laughs> so Raven takes the power coupling and, or whatever to this, this guy who appears to just be like a junk trader on Jakku. Do you know who played that guy? No, I didn't. Who is that? Some... It's it's the one Simon guy that Pe- was Simon Pegg, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Depulsions. Yeah. <laughs> He's a hardcore Star Wars fan, so I think he has to be on there. So yeah, he gave her the one quarter portion, and then we get a, in my opinion, a lot of character development for Ray when she takes it back and does her little bread thing with the water and. She's sitting there eating it outside of an old Adat, and she puts on the Rebellion helmet, the old Rebellion helmet that she found, and you can tell she just, like, looks up to, yeah, that that, that exact helmet. You can tell she just kind of, like, looks up to the past. I think there's also, like, a Luke Skywalker or an X-Wing pilot well, there was a, Yeah, there's a pilot doll. Yeah, and you can tell she just, like, looks up to this, these almost legends that she had heard about this battle on Jakku. And I thought that was pretty cool, because, like, there's the giant wall, of course, of all the scratches. And you can tell she's just like this lonely girl who has spent a lot of time doing absolutely nothing. But, yeah, but she, she does. She likes Star Wars as much as we do. But like, yeah, the, like, exactly. like the concept of Star Wars as much as we do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then while she's having her quarter portion, she meets BB-8, who is yeah. getting captured. And that's this is really our first real introduction with bb8 outside the opening scene and we really get to get like a good eyes on him and get to see like this droid actually has a lot of character to him and i think he's probably my personal favorite droid out of uh, star wars now i think bb8 is like a really cool little kickball <laughs> a lot around. of personality and i like his personality like c3po yeah. has a lot of personality i don't really care for 3po's personality right RTD2 Yeah, RTD2 is fine. Like I, I I liked him more before the prequels. I'll say that. The thing I like about R2D2 is his scream. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um and then the scene after Ray of course saves BB8 and then, you know, she takes him along with her. There's this really cute scene where BB8 just like kind of wants to follow her and he's like a lost puppy and she's finally like, "All right, you know, come on." Like you're, you, I guess you are kind of cute. Um, then the, the movie cuts back to the Star Destroyer with Kylo interrogating Poe and Kylo doing his like force interrogation thing, which is another one of those abilities that we talked about before that really have we haven't really seen before this. He kind of like does some sort of like mind reading ability on on uh, Poe, which I think is kind of cool. Um, but then Kylo dips out, Finn comes in, and they just decide, you know, we're getting out of here. Finn's like, I'm a turncoat now, I guess. No plan at all. Uh, just going to steal a TIE fighter and, and fly out of here. What would you guys think of that, that whole moment where he's just like, why are you doing this? He's like, because it's the right thing to do. It seemed a little... I don't know. It, it's it, it. I don't like that line because it, it seems to go against Finn's character, which, in my opinion, at this point, Finn's just more like I 
absolutely hate this place. Yeah, I, I hate my job so much. I need to quit yeah. my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of where I got. I didn't, I didn't get that Finn was this honor-bound guy at this point. Yeah, but I think that was in there because, like, as a as an audience member who has, like, engaged with Star Wars before, you know, just, like, you're watching this, you're just like, oh, well, this guy, like, he's clearly going to do the right thing. Like, he's going to be the hero. And you're just like, oh, no, like, he's just open a bag out early man like he just wants to clock out early and like have a three right. weekend um yeah um i i AWOL. but I, he went a wall i did write down that immediately poe and finn have great chemistry yeah just those two together they, they could have carried the sequel trilogy on their own i think uh folk pin well the whole escape thing. scene was awesome right yeah yep and um, I, I think it's really cool that they were trying to get in the TIE fighter and fly away, but they weren't prepared for like the cable attachment and they were just stuck there and they're like, ah, oh, you know, what do we do now? But I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and then we have uh, a scene that cuts to Kylo Ren and Hux, General Hux. And it's almost a direct mirror to Darth Vader and Graham. Moff Tarkin because Grand Moff Tarkin outranked Vader in the Empire and Hux also outranks Kylo Ren in the Empire and Kylo Ren says like I think I think it's this scene where he has like a a, a funny comment like oh maybe we should have a clone army come take the place of of the stormtroopers which I thought thought was a, a nice little funny callback um I love that dude too. Is it Dominic Monaghan? Is it not? No, not Dominic. That's the guy. That's Mary from Star. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson. Sorry. Yeah. Um, love that dude. Like, I, yeah. I just think he's a really good actor. He's in this one movie called About Time, which I think is like incredible. But I also really just like his character in this movie. And then I hate him in Episode Eight. <laughs> Some liberties were taken with him in Episode Eight. But in this yeah. movie, I think he does a really good job. And like one thing I actually kind of like about this movie is that like they really reinforce that like. You know, like we're very much in the shadow of the empire, like empire, and they just made him seem like super space Nazis. Like it was always yes. implied before, but like they really just beat you over the head with it in this movie. Like when he gives yes. that speech on whatever the planet's called, um, Starkiller Base. Star Star base. Yeah. yeah, but isn't it the planet Ilum? Like, isn't that? It's implied. It's never. It's never explicitly said that it's Ilum, but it's implied that it's Ilum. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like that, that was straight up like, like Hitler just like banging the podium, you know, like giving like his, his like crystal notch speech, you know, like it was, is absolutely insane how literal they made that interpretation. And he pulls it off absolutely incredibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Coach, what did you think of the escape scene from the Star Destroyer? I liked it. I liked it because we, it's, it was a new variant of the, uh, TIE fighter. Mm -hmm. It had a new, uh, you know, color color scheme with it. So I really like that. And it was uh, any space scenes like that. I love. I just I get geeked out. And that's why I didn't. That's why I enjoyed Resistance because they would always have a little like some type of space scene like that. You know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even going back to Episode Four, the the trench run. You know, um, that's what has hooked me, and that's that's my thing when it comes to Star Wars. Are the, uh, the the space battles. So the one in Rogue One is amazing. Yeah, you perfect. know, yeah. So I really liked it. It, it was short. 
and sweet and to the point, and then it cuts, you know, and the, the next scene is just amazing when the sand swallows up the TIE fighter. Also, it is a really small point, but I, I love that poet. He has this line where he's just like, oh, man, it's the new model. I've always wanted to fly this. You know, like he yeah. actually like says some line like that. And you're just like, huh, like, OK, that makes me feel less guilty for like always thinking like, man, yeah, they're space Nazis, but they got a really cool aesthetic. Like, I really like yeah. the way the TIE interceptor looks like. I don't know what that says about me and my personal philosophies. I don't <laughs> think I'm a Nazi, but I really want to fly a TIE interceptor and a TIE bomber. That stuff looks cool. Right. And so right. him admitting that I felt like, oh, OK, cool. Like, I'm allowed to think that, too, <laughs> without feeling bad. But on their way, I love the the fact that Poe's like, we're going back to Jakku. And Finn's like, why are we going? Why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? You know, he's like, we can't go back to Jakku because, you know, and Poe's like, yo, there's this droid down there. And Finn's Finn's like, why are we going back for a droid? We're getting shot at. Uh, But then they obviously crash. Poe's nowhere to be found. Finn takes the jacket, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And um, heads into, into Ray's village. And then... Once he's in the village, nobody's giving him water. No, no one's giving him water. He finds the water, of course, and he sees Ray being attacked. And then BB-8 recognizes the jacket. He gets in a conflict with Ray. And then I have right here that the First Order starts bombing the town for absolutely no reason. Because in the scene before that, Kylo Ren and Hux had a conversation about capturing the droid alive they wanted the information from bb-8 but then that it's conflicted in the scene with jakku because they're just having a conversation and the first order flies in and just starts blasting everything and it's like okay well well remember they called it in i think the stormtroopers called it in well they, they called it in but orig- before they call it in the uh, fighters come down and just start shooting the town. And then the, they, they call in, he hears the bombers coming in and then they start exploding. Right. But I love the next scene where they're running and you can, and, and Finn grabs Ray, keep, Finn keeps grabbing Ray's hand because you can, I thought it was so interesting. Finn thinks he's the hero here. And Finn's like, Oh, I'm the guy that turned on the first order. I'm the trained stormtrooper. Here's this like, and I'm the hero. Here's this like pretty girl. And she's going to like me because I'm the cool hero guy. So he's like constantly trying to save Ray. And like, Ray doesn't need any saving. Like we find out later, Ray is fully capable of defending herself and flying. And Ray is the one that ends up saving Finn. And Finn like never drops the cool act until like way later on in the movie. You know, but he thinks he's the hero and, and he just constantly is trying to like impress Ray with that hero mentality. I think that's super funny because like the uh, the impression he got from the trailer. Do you guys remember when the trailer dropped? I didn't watch the trailers. I remember I didn't, I didn't watching want to be it. Oh uh, man, there was one scene where like I'm pretty sure like we saw like eventually, like not the teaser trailer, but then like the eventual trailer, like there was a really emphatic scene where like Finn was the one with the lightsaber, you know, and it was like oh, taken yeah. from that final fight. Um, yeah. But like, it was pretty like heavily implied that like he was going to be like the new generation Jedi person. 
Yeah. And so the fact that like in the early movie, it's him entirely trying to save Ray and her just being like, dude, like, fuck off. Like, I do not need the hand right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Like, it's hilarious. Like, I think that's like super smart and like really, really good subverted expectations just because we thought he was going to be the hero. We thought he was the dude, you know? And um, I think that him trying to save Ray is like really funny, especially because the next scene when he's like, yo, there's a ship over there. And she's like, that's a piece of junk. And then the ship they're running to gets bombed. And it's like, oh, the piece of junk will do. And it's the Millennium Falcon. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah that, that scene's amazing. Moment. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, you're like oh. yes, there it is. Yeah, that, that's the ship we know and love. And I do have a problem with the Ray piloting the Falcon scene that comes next. Because obviously there's the there's the, the dog fight. But... Like, we hadn't really gotten any information about Ray being any sort of, like, pilot at this point. And then after the dogfight, Ray's even like, I don't know how I did that. I don't care. Yeah. Like, like that. that's, like, one point that, like, really bothers me. That everyone brings up that, like, oh, she's, like, a total Mary Sue. Like, she's just, like, too perfect and too good at everything. There's no room for character development. And I'm just like, dude, like, Anakin was a seven-year-old pod racer. Like, I don't, I'm not going to draw the line you know, for her being, like, a good pilot, like, especially, like, I feel like more so than any other Star Wars film, I feel like the second, uh, sorry, the sequel trilogy really takes a lot of shortcuts and just uses, like, archetypes, because we've had so much text of Star Wars, like, we've got the movies, six movies thrown at us, and we've all seen those movies multiple times, we've had a lot of TV shows, a lot of comics, a lot of video games, like, people have engaged with Star Wars on different levels, and so, like, there's just archetypes that you as someone who is engaged with this material enough times knows and understands not to mention just the language of movies that which we all generally speak pretty well now you know just with the amount of visual content we consume so i have like no problem just like oh she's super powerful because like even she can't believe she can do this like that was all i read into it i wasn't personally like annoyed that she was so good at this like i don't need to see someone struggle and overcome that to understand they're powerful. Like, like, you know, like I'm, I'm okay with just seeing them be powerful. And like the same way we saw Anakin be yeah. super powerful as a second grader. <laughs> you know, yeah. But he still, but he still had a lot of issues, you know, like he got his ass handed to him the first time he went up against uh, Dooku. Like right. he didn't even last like 30 seconds, you know, it was swinging a couple Awful swords fight, and then whack, whack yeah, his but, arm like, and then, yeah, but also so like, I think I didn't I didn't need that, you know. <laughs> like I'm not saying like I need to see him struggle to believe that he's fighting against someone tough. Like I, I could believe in face value, like, oh he beat him, but like that was still like a tough battle, you know? Um So I think my my biggest problem though, and like I said, I love the character of Ray, but I have problems with her character because she never faces adversity. Or she faces it and just overcomes it. She never fails. If you think about like Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is a total Mary Sue, right? Has all the same issues you could you could say to Ray. He because he he's like sixteen or whatever it is, gets a lightsaber, and then in the next movie he's fighting Darth Vader and being okay and holding his own. And then the movie after that he takes down an entire empire. But the, the thing with Luke Skywalker is that he made bad decisions, and he also failed. And we see that constantly with his character. With Rey, I could forgive the Millennium Falcon. I could forgive her holding her own against Kylo Ren 
because it's pretty heavily implied that Chewie's boat throughout the movie. By okay, the way, yeah, we're we're Chewie's gonna talk we're gonna talk about that. That was like my Reddit thing that I'm like, oh, yeah. that okay. In hindsight, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, the, the Bobocaster. but it's like the other stuff that break actually breaks down the whole world of of Star Wars, the whole galaxy of Star Wars, whatever you want to call it, because Ray. If taken at face value and taken literally, would be the most potent force user I think we've ever seen. With zero training, zero experience, she's just able to see a power and then do it. And in fact, I wrote down later on when she escapes her restraints. She's never even seen anyone at this point use force persuade. She just doesn't. Yeah. And that I saw is, that too. And I'm like, come on, you can't do that. That's that. That is, yes. That was a party foul. That was that a is big my party foul in the middle. Yeah. And That's you know who played, problem. you know, who played that stormtrooper? Yeah. James Bond. Yeah. Daniel Craig. Yeah. Daniel Craig. Worst James Bond, by the way. But we'll, I don't know. We'll, that. Sorry, can can you? Uh, I'm sorry, I was a little distracted. I'm thinking about something. Uh, can you repeat uh, just like the specific, like the the thesis of like what your issue was with that? My scene? my issue. What, so we talked about the Millennium Falcon and how I had a problem with Ray just piling the Millennium Falcon like she's done it her whole life. And I said mm-hmm. I could I could forgive that and I could forgive the fight with Kylo at the end, but it is the fact that if taken at literal and face value, the other things that she does with the Force she would be the most powerful and potent force user we've ever seen because untrained, she is able to not only counter Kylo Ren, who is the grandson of Anakin Skywalker, the chosen one. She's also able to use force persuade without ever seeing it or ever being trained to use the force. She saw it because Kylo tried to use it on her and couldn't. No, that wasn't force persuade. That was more like I'm gonna. Oh, that dip was, that into was your like mind. okay, okay. You're you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, okay. that was his interrogation. But I guess yeah. I don't know. But like that's another thing where it's like archetypes where I'm just like okay, maybe at this point she thinks like the force or like this issue like she could do more than just physical stuff with it because like I don't know. I have to assume there's no way like that. It, and it, this doesn't count because I didn't show it in the movies. But like there's no way that she didn't have like you know like a moment where she jumped super duper high and she's like, huh, that's weird that I could jump that high. You know, <laughs> like. Something did she? Like that, because but... I thought I thought no, it, was it, did, it didn't happen implied. on screen, so it doesn't count, right? You know, well, no, um, but I thought it was pretty heavily implied that that meeting in the interrogation room with Kylo Ren was the first time she's ever experienced or used the Force. That, that's kind of what it seemed like, because like she, you just see her kind of like start to fight back, and and all of a sudden she's overcoming and taking Kylo Ren. Well, and then he made, and this is watching it last night. And I'm glad you brought that up. When he was telling his stormtroopers, he's like, find her now. Yeah. Because the longer she is uh, on her own, the more stronger she gets. Is that how the force works? That just by hiding out and as the you know, as the stopwatch continues, you know, as time goes, that she just magically gets better. Because that's what he was implying. I don't, and I was like, that's the, not how it The works. Force is so stupid, though, and I feel like they rewrite the rules all the time. Like, wasn't, like, the explanation, like, the reason that Yoda couldn't figure out that, like, Palpatine was the Sith Lord is because Palpatine 
cut the Jedi off from the Force. Like, wasn't that, like, literally the entire explanation for, like, like, like the whole, like, Clark Kent effect? Like, why no one can tell that, like, oh, Clark Kent is Superman. It's like, no, he's not. Like, he, Clark Kent wears glasses. Like, that's impossible. Like, it, it's... Yeah, Palpatine was using, like, some sort of, like, like, he was clouding their vision on purpose. All right, but, like, I'm saying, like, that's, like, a BS yeah. thing that, like, I don't think that existed I in the agree. original trilogy. So doesn't that change the rules of everything we're establishing? And then, like, I, I have no problem with that stuff just because i don't know like i think the second you like clearly define the force i think that's when it becomes not fun you know yeah i just think that her being able to do everything that she wants at any point in time removes the necessity for her to go to luke skywalker to train and it also makes the previous entries of the jedi training seem like nonsense. Like if if this, if we take this, like I said, at literal face value, Anakin Skywalker never needed the Jedi. And I, I like that's what I was saying in the beginning that I think the sequel trilogy defies and breaks the rules down of Star Wars. He didn't need it. I'm pretty sure the Jedi like ruined his life. So yeah, <laughs> you, could, you could argue that. You could argue that. Um, but uh, then yeah. So after. Kylo Ren um, finds out BB-8 escaped. He has his first meltdown. And that's the first time we see Kylo Ren's like character start to break down. And you start to realize, like, oh, this isn't like a Darth Vader character. He's like this young, bratty kid like we talked about earlier. And then after that, um, we see the great scene of the pipe exploding in the Millennium Falcon, Ray going down to fix it, and Finn scrambling with BB-8 to get him to tell Ray where, like, their resistance base is. Yeah. He's like, yo, I, like, listen, <laughs> I'm just trying to escape. Bro, I need, I need some on. help here. Also, she's kind of cute. Don't screw this up for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Because yeah. he asked her, you got family? You got a boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> And BB-8 does the really cute thing with the lighter where he sticks the lighter out and gives the thumbs up. I thought that was, like, really that cool. That killed my movie theater. Like, everyone was just like, yeah. aww! <laughs> like, that just, everyone was so into that part. And, like, yeah. I, I, at that point, I was, like, really in, man. I was just like, yeah, dude, they figured it out. They cracked the code for how you make a new Star Wars movie in 2015. Yes. They nailed it. Yes. Uh, I, I, I love that scene. I think that's an awesome scene. And then the scene directly after that is another amazing scene where Han... Comes back into the Falcon. Yeah, Han and Chewie come back in the Falcon. It's like, Chewie, we're home. And I'm like, oh, they nailed it. Um, <laughs> and you, you see, know? And, and that is something they needed more of that is those moments where you have that, right? Right. The, 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 what, we, what we saw in the original trilogy. My biggest complaint against this movie is we did not get the original triplets together. We didn't get them together. Luke, Han, and Leia were not in a scene together. If they would have done that at the end, you know, granted if, uh, and we'll get to Han Solo in a bit and what happens with Kylo, but if they had uh, Leia and Han, Ray, um, Chewie and I guess R2 
if all of them would have gone down to uh, that first Jedi temple where Luke was, that would have made the movie a 10 out of 10 because we would have saw all three of them together. And J.J. Abrams just he he failed big time on that. And that move and this movie needed that. So this I movie think needed that. <laughs> the original I could, I could not disagree more. <laughs> well, the the original plan was to have Luke Skywalker in the middle of the movie and be, have a, a larger role in the movie. And that what they said was anytime Luke Skywalker comes into the movie, the movie immediately becomes about him because he's such a legendary character. And I, I actually kind of agree with them. You know, a lot of people were mad that Luke died in episode eight. And I was mad with the fact that he died before doing anything important. But I was, <laughs> I was not mad that he died because I think Luke Skywalker had to die. It's yep. my biggest problem with DC Comics is that Superman is always there. If Luke Skywalker hadn't died and had redeemed himself, the last movie probably would have just been a Luke Skywalker versus Snoke movie or Luke Skywalker versus whoever the bad guy is. But see, I was okay with just having Luke at the end. I'm not saying we needed more Luke. I'm just saying that Together. we needed <clears throat> yes, we needed one shot with all three of them together. Like that feeling we got when we saw Luke and, and uh, I'm sorry, Luke, uh, Chewie and Han walk mm -hmm. into the, that, that feeling that you got inside, like, yeah, here we go. We're, we're home, baby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We didn't get that with, uh, with all three of them. I, yeah, I disagree. I think the original cast was probably in this new trilogy too much. Hmm. Interesting. Um, too much. Yeah. Well, it's just one of those things like, all right, forget for a second that Kurt Cobain died, right? Okay. The singer um, for, for Nirvana. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they would have played a Super Bowl in like 2014, you know, and they would have been just like 55 years old talking about smelling like teen spirit. And it's like, dude, is that like, is that really what you want? Like, do you want to see old haggard Dave Grohl and Kurt Cobain talking about smells like teen spirit when like they're they got fucking wrinkles. Like, do you want that? Like, no, man, no one right. wants that. Like, Jimmy Hendrix died. I, like, what? I would love Jimmy that. Hendrix died at 27, <laughs> man. Like, he would have been 90 going on stage playing at the Super Bowl. Like, right, like he would have joined the Who for their show. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. I got to move on and just, like, cut the cord at some point. Like, Well, so I think their, their inclusion is necessary because it's a generational thing. Like yeah. They it's had passing to, they off had the, to pass the, torch. the torch. Yeah. The baton. Yes. Yeah. I get that. But also like star Wars, I don't think is uh, any one character. I think it is a feeling. I, I think it is a feeling you get when you watch these movies doing things that seem so futuristic and high tech, but like has such an old school nature to it. Like, I think that marriage of those two things is like what makes star Wars really special to me. And so like, it's a feeling, it's not a person. And so it's just like, right. Right. Commit. And to I guess that, I get that, George. But remember, this is still the Skywalker saga. Yeah. And and we and and you're right. I mean, if you have them in too much, like in our next movie, um, then you know we had Leia too much. But anyways, if we would have just had that one scene where I guess all four of them, to include Chewie, that would have been that would have been icing on the cake for me. Sure. Just that one point where they're like. Luke, you know, and he would have saw him and he break down and or whatever, you know. See, to, to me, 
I don't think you can have too much Chewbacca because there's no generational next for Chewbacca. And he's sort of like a droid where like, you don't really ever know exactly what Chewbacca is saying. You can only know, you can only read Chewbacca through the other characters that understand him. But like I said, I think you had to be really careful with what you did with Luke Skywalker, because if you wanted these movies to be about a new cast, bringing Luke Skywalker in and making him episode six, super powerful Jedi master, Luke Skywalker immediately makes him the hero. And I think episode eight failed with the portrayal of Luke, but I think having him at the end, and I understand what you're saying too. I think it, it would have been good to have at least one shot of the whole cast together. And I also agree with you that we do see too much Leia in, in the sequel trilogy. Not in this movie. I think she did it all right in this movie. And I think she was shot well in this movie because you can tell that her acting skill is sort of lacking at this point in her life. She hasn't really done a whole lot. Uh, and I think I think her acting wasn't great, but they shot her in such a way that you couldn't really tell and it didn't intrude too much on the movie, I thought. Sure. Um, yeah, they didn't ask her to do a lot, which I think, yeah. which I think was good. <clears throat> they, she she hits the important notes, the reunion with Han Solo, and the motherly instinct with Rey, I think, is important. Yeah. But let's, but let's know, move on. Sorry, okay. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. One of my biggest gripes is the fact that Han and Leia were divorced. Or I don't know if we, they were divorced, but they were separated. Well, I we're, like that. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, because I have... Right. Um, yeah, we got a lot a of lot scenes to, to cover. So yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, so I want to move. I want to. I want to fast forward a little bit because we get Han Solo. We get him meeting the crew and telling them that you know I knew Luke and the Force is real, all of it. And there he had this student that betrayed everybody. He doesn't really go into deep detail that he knows exactly what was going on. Metaphor. And he's very well. My my thing with Han Solo is he has a very father daughter dynamic towards Rey. Yes. Which led a lot of people to believe when this movie came out that Rey was Kylo's sister and that they were protecting her for some reason, which I never bought into because I thought that was really weird. You know, why Han Solo and Leia would, you know, it, was, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> it's, like, oh. it's, it's also, they're, they're bad parents if they like lament yeah. one child and just completely ignore the other one. Like, they're, well, they're, they're better people than that. Like, they're bad parents. They were. I was thinking that she was more of a niece to them. Yeah. So she knew who uh, – they knew who she was, but they didn't want to come out and say say it right away. Um, You said something about bad parents, George. I think Han and Leia are bad parents no matter what. If you take the whole sequel trilogy story into account, like they – they gave up on Kylo Ren like immediately. Or yeah, they dropped. They dropped several balls uh, <laughs> <laughs> throughout the three movies for sure. Leia's like, I'm a trained Jedi. I'm gonna send my son off with my brother and like leave him alone. And then Luke's, she somehow hears that Ben Solo turned to the dark side, and she's like, "Well, I guess that sucks." <laughs> like, Okay, um, but then we get a really cool scene with Han Solo and Finn when they first land on Maz Kanata's planet, where I think it's so cool when Han Solo's like, listen, big deal. Like, yeah. you got another problem. <laughs> well, at first he calls, remember, at first, uh, Finn calls him Solo. Yeah, he's like, and, 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 Solo? and Han's like, Solo? You just call me, yeah. 
Yeah, he's like, women always find out the truth. And I thought that was such an awesome scene because you knew Han immediately was like, I've seen enough war heroes in my time to know that this guy is not one of them. Also, like, you get the feeling he's like, he's definitely banged his way across the galaxy enough to yeah. know. He's like, yeah, dude, it will catch up with you. Trust me. Yeah. Um, before we move on too far, I just want to say Kanji Club is such a cool name for a space gang. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Love the name Kanji Club. Because I kind of jumped over that scene because it doesn't really matter in the grand plot, but it does introduce Han's character. But that is a great scene when Han's like, I always talk my way out of it. And you can see Chewie protest, and then the Conjure Club shows up, and he's like, good to see you. (laughs) He's stuck. I think it's a great scene. It goes back to, um, you know, you remember when he was talking to Yoda in episode four, right? Mm -hmm. When the, the... you know, they, they originally wanted it that in there and they had the, the actor pretend to be, uh, uh, not Java, Yoda, but, uh, Java. Java. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, he was back to his old scavenger skills, right? Yeah. Like, the scoundrel. Fall- yeah. yeah. His scoundrel skills. Yeah. Sorry. No, it was, so it was so good. And that line to Finn is incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Listen, big deal. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, but before, we move on to Maz Kanata's cantina. We get a really good scene with Snoke talking to Hux and Kylo Ren, which kind of moves the overall plot forward, where Hux is, is talking about finally using Starkiller Base, blowing up the whole um, Republic. And then Snoke tells Kylo what would be in the trailer over and over and over again. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Um Again, we I think referring to Ray, but also not expanded upon enough to make sense. I I, I don't think. It, I think what they were going for was Ray is someone special. She's finally achieved heroism or something because Ray hasn't really done anything at this point. But Snoke. Does say there has been an awakening? Have you felt well, like he gives yeah, that line to Kylo? Yeah, it's just like in Harry Potter, you know, when Harry Potter like uh, makes the glass disappear, like in the zoo or whatever, and yeah. like that's when he like gets the 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 letter from Hogwarts, being like, "Hey, we know you did this magic. Uh, you shouldn't don't do that. Uh, but also come to our school. Like it's time to learn." Like, yeah, I just find I find it weird that like because Ray hasn't used any for well, we not that we know of any force abilities at this point. Um, well, did she? Has she been? Uh... Well, yeah, because yeah, she did. Because remember, um, she blocked Kylo Ren from getting into her mind. She not hasn't at, met Kylo Ren yet. Not at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, my bad. No, she hasn't she so met Kylo right. Ren yet. Yeah. yeah. But either way, it, 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 I guess it is what it is. Um, and then they go to Moscow's planet, which I think is also like like I'm telling you guys, the first half of this movie. Didn't miss a beat. Like Maz Kanata's planet was so cool, and I love Maz Kanata's character. Oh, she's got the glasses that she like yeah. zooms in and out on. Where's I love my, that character. Where's my boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, I like that Wookie. You know, like that's such a <laughs> such a likable, good character. Um, but bef- before we actually get there, Han gives Ray a blaster, and he offers her a job, and. Ray is like super insistent on going back to Jakku to her family. And I think this was one of the those first scenes where it's like there's something odd with Ray. Like she needs to get back to Jakku. I think that was a foreshadowing of JJ Abrams' original story. Why is Ray trying to get back to Jakku so badly? And why would she turn down a job to get off that 
desert rock. Yeah, with the legend Han Solo himself. The right. general? No, the smuggler. Yeah, it's so right. good. <laughs> and that, that was the first scene to me. Because I think this this Maz Kanata, I don't know the name of the planet, but this, this planet's scenes are very foreshadowing. And they're extremely important to the plot. Because obviously this is where Ray later finds the lightsaber. Um, but obviously Ray turns down Han Solo and they move on to the bar where one of the patrons immediately recognized them. We already talked about Maz Kanata um, talking about Chewbacca. But she tells Han that she's not going to help them. And that Han needs to go see Leia himself. She says, it's been far too long. You've been avoiding this right. fight. Which leads us to believe that Han left when Kylo turned to the dark side. And it's like, that, that, that was my biggest problem with Han and Leia's writing. Is that like, really? Like, you guys just... Gave up? Yeah, you guys are like, oh, well, Ben, Ben, you know, turned to the dark side. And I guess that's that. <laughs> It, it, I don't know. It's really it's weird. It's so weird, though, because it's just like, okay, like, let's... I, I don't have children, but it's like, I don't know, like, what if your kid just killed so many people yeah. <laughs> and then joined, like, a militia where he killed so many more people? Like, I don't right. know if, like, you'd consider that kid dead to you. Like, I don't have a child. You, no, you never would, and you would do a... You, a parent, would always fight for them to try and get them back. But especially... And, like, this is... Because we see a scene around this time of of Kylo talking to Vader through the helmet, and I wrote down specifically here: Did no one tell him that Vader went back to the light side at the end of his life and like had a redemption and like like didn't die as Darth Vader? He died as Anakin. That was Anakin and Darth Vader's whole character arc, right? Was that he yeah. was redeemed at the end of his life? And I guess Luke was just like he didn't tell him that story. I don't know. I, I, I it never expanded upon. I don't, know. I don't know, man. No one ever follows in Hitler's footsteps because they're like, you know what? I actually want to be a painter. Like that's not like the part that they talk about. You know, like, true. It, it's like also he was good for like five minutes. I'm sorry. Like it was. I agree. It was, it was such that. a weak ass. <laughs> like technically redeemed, but that is like repenting at the last second and getting into heaven. You know? Yeah, like, it's like a. A mass murderer, like seeing a priest right before he gets executed. Yeah, I, I like, understand. So what you're we're good, right? Like we're good. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it it is weird to me that like because he specifically calls him grandfather, and you can tell he's trying to follow Invader's footsteps, but he's like, you know, I don't know if I I, I feel but, the pull with the light again. So mm. this is what I thought about last night on that scene. That's where I think Snow fed him lies, or in the end, now we know Palpatine. Fed him lies. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Fed him lies about his grandfather. Yeah. Which makes sense because Palpatine, I think, later we see was trying to take over his body or something like that. Um, Isn't that weird now that we watch that? We know that uh, Palpatine, that was his, like, his spirit was in well, uh, Snoke. No, it just makes me sad. It makes me sad that, like, I watched this movie and I'm like, oh, the potential yeah, that we had definitely you know and that they just couldn't find a cadence or like an agree upon something it's, it's i think it's very i'm so excited to talk about episode eight because i feel like episode eight is probably the one you guys have the most problems with yeah it is 
right? And like just two parts of it. That's like episode nine is like a mess. Like plot wise, it is a mess. But it is at least like a fun movie where cool visual stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm really excited to talk about eight about this stuff in particular. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that too. Because I think, like like I said, the the reason I wanted to do this was because. We all have vastly different opinions, but we all know that we can have a sit-down, open-minded, and intellectual conversation about the criticism of these movies. And I think that's really interesting because you don't see that often when it comes to these Star Wars movies. It's always vitriol and anger. Oh, God. Well, that yeah. it's so extreme one way or the other. Yeah, and right. so the fact that, like, I, I am, like, net positive, but it's not, like, you know, I'm not it's not, like, that great. <laughs> you know, but it, <laughs> but it is, like, net positive. Like, it is a good opinion of the sequel trilogy yeah. i think it is the second best you're neutral and uh the fact that kyle or sorry coach like you're more negative i think is just like super interesting but i think it's because we're all so like tenuously where we are that we're able to do it we're like i totally yeah. understand why someone doesn't like it i totally understand why someone's right. completely ambivalent to it <laughs> like yeah. I, I understand your positions perfectly well <laughs> and i think it's important that's, that's why i wanted to have this because we we, I feel like no one gets to talk about this like this, you know. Um, but let's move on because I feel like yeah, we we are slowly crawling through the the plot of the movie. Um, Maz Kanata does her like amazing scene to Finn where she opens her eyes and she's like, "You're not who you say you are," you know. Um, and then Finn got offended. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been. Yeah. You don't know what I've seen. What what's she do in solo? Yeah, that was great. She said she's been around she's been around for a long time and she's seen the same eyes in a lot of people. And I thought that was a great scene because it not only was like a metaphor in my opinion for him being a stormtrooper and seeing the same eyes in like a lot of people, but also she says he's running from something and it's so yeah. obvious because he's like a terrible liar in this movie. <laughs> like he's like the worst liar of all time. Um and then she like reluctantly gives him a way out. Um, and then this is where the really important scene that we were talking about earlier is where Finn and Ray get up, up from the table and leave. Maz looks at Han Solo and says like, so who's the girl? And right before Han can answer that scene, is it, it's cuts over yeah. to Finn again. And that I think is JJ Abrams way of, having us talk about this for the next three years until um, episode eight. That was his, his way of, you know, that was his storytelling. I agree, but I still think there was originally a plan for Ray. I still think she was supposed to originally be a Kenobi and they scrapped that for whatever reason. Um, Maybe Ryan Johnson didn't like it or maybe Kathleen Kennedy didn't like it. Who knows? And I think at some point she was probably supposed to be Luke's daughter as well because uh, too much makes sense about these things. Well, somehow the original script's going to come out and we're going to read it and we're going to have a laugh. Disney probably found every copy of those things and burned them immediately because they were like, we can't have this kind of thing get out. <laughs> um, but then the scene where Finn finally tells Ray who he is comes out he asks ray to come with him sort of like a proposal of i i, I took it as like a romance type proposal but I don't, I don't know uh ray obviously says no because you know she is the main character but then ray kind of feels what i took as like a pull 
almost, and starts exploring Maz Kanata's cantina. Well, she heard the girl. Yeah. The cr- she heard her crying as a baby. Yes. So there's there's a pool, which is interesting, because it leads her right to Luke's lightsaber, and when she touches it, she has a, a, a vision. And I took this as a Force Echo, which has been in the, in the series before. That's in Jedi Fallen Order a lot, the, the Force Echo abilities. But then when you analyze the scene, it can't be a Force Echo because she has a vision of the future in it as well. And well, this is maybe <clears throat> the most important scene in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree it is. Um, on a real quick, sorry, this podcast is obviously going to be super long. Like, I think it's going to be like two and a half hours just to cover everything. But it's yeah, a, a big movie with a lot of opinions. It will go smoother in the later episodes but like in episode five like in uh, empire strikes back when luke goes into the cave and like mm-hmm. takes a swing at that darth vader and like the head rolls off a mass pops open and it's luke mm-hmm. what do we think that was that in my i always thought that was the force the force was really constant because it's specifically called the force cave i think in the literature sure but like i'm not going on that i'm just going by the movie like um oh i i guess oh no i guess because like force echoes aren't a thing in the movies like i guess we do have to like bring in eu stuff and like extended stuff but like i don't know like was that a vision was that like a an actual like embodiment of the force like did he really take a swing at something that i assume then like dissipated like what do we think happened there and well, is i think that was the yeah, equivalent think, of it i think that was a vision of luke luke's fear of becoming darth vader because sure. we know originally george lucas the, the the original scene for return of the jedi which is awful, was Luke putting on the Vader helmet at the end of that movie and becoming the next Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. This was, and when when you take that into context, I think this was Luke's maybe dark side and him afraid of that. Self-doubt, yeah. I but, don't know. And so, but like, is this, the, is this uh, Force Awakens equivalent of that or is it something different? I think it's something different. Okay. Because I, I wrote down all the things that happened in this scene. It opens up with, uh, you can hear, once again, young Ray screaming, no. And then you get a quote from Yoda about the Force. Uh, its energy surrounds us, binds us. And then you get the vision of Luke screaming, no. And Luke and R2-D2 at what we assume is the ruined Jedi Temple with him touching R2-D2. And then we get Kylo and the Knights of Ren with like 100 dead bodies around them. And that's what Coach was talking about earlier. Someone gets stabbed. We assumed it was a Knight of Ren. It's never implicitly said. Um, and then she has another flash of her parents leaving. And then what the really interesting thing that I thought when I watched this again was she has an exact vision of the upcoming battle with Kylo. Of the future. Um, and then she hears Obi-Wan say, Ray, these are your first steps. So, did Obi Wan say that at any point? No. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he says these are your first steps into a deeper world. Like he says that to Luke. In a does he? Yeah, in Episode Four. They were oh. in after he did the um, the training. Yeah, like with the right? visor okay. down. Yeah. Well, he but in this, and I only know this because of the subtitles. By the way, I watched it with the subtitles. Same. I always watch it with subtitles. Obi Wan specifically said Ray question mark like wondering if it was her and then it said he said these are your first steps as she falls back and let's go to the lightsaber so 
Obi-Wan is specifically talking to Rey, if we assume it's Obi-Wan's Force Ghost, which I always did, mm-hmm. but it could also be a Force Echo of the lightsaber. Um, but what do you what do we think about this scene? What is this scene in the, in the context of Rey? I don't story? know, man. I'm still, like, confused <laughs> as to what all that was. This, yeah. this is the great Like, there's tease, a lot man. going on. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, George. Uh, this is the great tease. This is like when you're reading a comic book and there's like, oh yeah, we haven't heard from this person in a while. We think he's gone crazy. And they like go over to his apartment and there's like a chalkboard just full of like stuff. And it's it's like, those are the stories that you're going to be reading in DC Comics for the next like year and a half. You know, like yeah. this was totally that. Like I thought for sure she was part of the Jedi Academy and then she had like amnesia. I thought for sure we were going to like actually get that. Like I thought every scene in this moment was going to be extrapolated like in further material like i thought it was right. just the great tease and like the whole thing will make sense by the end of the third movie in the trilogy like we will understand right. the context behind all this a little right. frustrating that we didn't get there uh, yeah <laughs> extremely frustrating extremely um real quick before we move on i'm gonna pause the recording now we can go to the bathroom get a drink all right we are okay. so, we're so close to done i think we got like another half hour on us and then we're and then we're good i know i guess i, I got i got yeah piss go. so bad <laughs> yeah me too get in um, all right, we're back. Coach, so you didn't really give us your thoughts on the lightsaber scene. What, what, what do you think? You just said you didn't know, but what, when you looked at this, when you thought about it, what did you see? I mean, it's something I, I thought about that for the next three years. I, right. I tried to figure out how is that going to relate to who Ray is? Right. Was Ray at the temple? That's my biggest thing. And I kept asking that was, why did they show her at the temple? Right. You know, I, I'm assuming that was the temple, but why was she there? And then when I remember that point where he had that, I, I don't know if this is his first or his second tantrum, but he said with a girl and yes. then he like freaked out. So yeah. I'm like, okay. So I took that freak out with the vision or whatever that was memory, you know, lost memory. And I'm like, okay, they got to know each other. Right. Are, are they cousins? You know, that's it's, my, there's th- so much foreshadowing with race character. So much. Now, yeah. George, I want to ask you specifically, cause you like episode eight. Do you think Ryan Johnson pulled like a, a nosedive for Ray's story? Or do you think that like, there really wasn't a plan? I think that there was a plan. And I think, We'll get into it specifically in episode eight, but I think the whole idea behind The Last Jedi was that, like, this, like, aristocracy of this one family being the most important in the galaxy is BS. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't have this person be just, like, another Skywalker. Like, we have to start telling different stories in a universe this big. And, like, I understand that feeling, but if you really feel that way, like, dude, direct your own trilogy. (laughs) Like, direct direct something that's not one of the mainline movies. Like, that's... Um, I, I like episode eight the least. I still like it, but I like it the least of the three. Uh, but like, it seemed like you're right. Like that was just like a total middle finger to the whole hero's journey thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and, uh, I do think it's like not a coincidence that like that happened right around the time that like Trump was elected president, like, uh, just strictly because of like the populist message that got Trump president, you know, like the fact that he was like reaching out to uh people like outside of cities in particular like rural communities who felt like neglected and ignored and they felt like it was you know they couldn't compete with like the interests of people in the cities and like big lobby groups like it was like that messaging about like 
that sort of political platform as opposed to just being like strong art. He's just like, I'm going to be a different kind of Republican. Mm. And like, that was like the same time that like Ray was just like, no, dude, you're literally just a freaking nobody. Like you could not matter less. Like you are not important in the grand scheme of the galaxy. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that like those two things were like kind of happening simultaneously. And I, th- I think that's like one of the more fascinating parts of that movie. But in this movie in particular, it, they were so setting up the pieces for her to be someone important. Yeah. I'm glad you agree. Cause I, I was I was thinking going into this that you probably didn't think that, but I'm glad I'm glad you agree for, as a film major that they were they're obviously setting things up, um, because after that, Maz offers the lightsaber to Ray. Maz apparently hears that or something, comes down, offers the lightsaber to Ray, and Ray almost has like a reactionary response to it, like she can't take the lightsaber. And then runs away into the forest, at like, uh, like almost like having like sort of like a panic attack type situation. I took it. Um, and then after and then all hell breaks loose. Well, yeah. So after she runs into the forest, Hux. The, the scene cuts to Hux on Starkiller Base. This is when he launches Starkiller Base's laser attack on the Republic. Um, and a scene that, in my opinion falls very short of the emotional response that they probably went for. When I watched that scene, I'm like, okay, there's a a bunch of planets. We don't know with a bunch of people. We don't care about. Yeah. It had no meaning. Um, Yeah. Okay. The Republic's gone. We haven't even seen the Republic. (laughs) Well, again, also it's like the ninth war crime that they've committed at this point. And like, I'm very anti war crime. I'm not condoning what they did, but also there was just no weight to what they did besides like, look at them, be horrible and kill seven planets at once. Um, yeah. But, and, and it was the opposite effect of when, um, Alderaan, you know, yeah. the death. Yeah, exactly. Because Leia was there, you know, and yeah. she said the, the rebel base was on Dantooine and it wasn't there. And then, ah, you know, then Moss like, you're far too, uh, trusting. Would, yeah. Yeah. So then they took it out and then it had meaning, right? Cause even, uh, Obi-Wan felt it. Yeah. And he's going million miles an hour, right? In the yeah. Millennium Falcon. So, and then this one, it was just like, you're right, Seth. Like, eh, or George also is like, okay, and? Yeah, exactly. Terrible, but yeah. like, eh, you know. <laughs> I have no relation to any of these plants or characters. I'm like, okay, I, I, right. a bunch of people are dying in a movie, I guess. Well, that and there's like a there's a young black woman who's like prominently featured in like one of the shots, like as like the lasers like descending onto her planet. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that that was a person who like had scenes that were cut, <laughs> but like they left that scene in, you know, and so it's just like, right. oh, man, I, I probably would have cared more if you guys had left yeah. those other scenes in there, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, probably would have meant more, but it, you didn't. So I can't. Um, it's not on me. But the weird thing is that the First Order then launches an attack on Mos Kanata's planet. And, you know, well, we'll get we'll get to the weird thing. But um, Maz then gives the lightsaber to Finn, who takes it like anyone would, and he just starts icing stormtroopers, right? And he meets this stormtrooper who screams, you know, traitor! And does the, the famous, like, spinny, spinny shock trooper thing and that was interesting because 
right after episode seven came out, they made the comic book with Finn in it. That guy was actually a training partner of Finn's coming up through like the Stormtrooper Academy, I guess. And they had like a rivalry. There's all this whole backstory between this one Stormtrooper that did that had this fight with him, um, who then just gets obliterated by Chewbacca's bowcaster. Oh, incredible! Yeah. But yeah. before that, remember though, he 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 kicked, uh, he got uh, Finn down on the ground. Like yeah, he, he was about to finish Finn. Yeah. Um, and see, I was okay with that, even though he's swinging around. Luke, and that's Anakin's uh, lightsaber, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Anakin. So, Luke's. yeah, I say Anakin because I like Anakin more. But anyways, so he's trying to do his best, and I took it as okay. He had um, basic, you know, training on how to use uh, those the shock things, right? Yeah. Because that's what they use to fight Jedi. Right. So. Right. So when he picked up that lightsaber, he kind of knew how to, you know, deal yeah, everyone, with it. Everyone's seen how to swing a sword, right? Yeah. Could you, could, like, I've had basic sword training. Could I hold my own against, like, a samurai grandmaster? No. But I'm better than the average person. Yeah, no. and also it's just like that guy. It's just like, all right, is he, like, special forces? Probably not. Like, yeah. is he... A private in the army, maybe. Also, like they seem kind of like, like low on troops. Is he like, a, like the equivalent of like a mall guard? Like, is he just like someone <laughs> from like the, you know, like the detention? Yeah, is he just like from the detention center on some star destroyer? But he was just like, oh well, no, like I need to do this for my first. Well, order, I mean, like you know? Finn was. Uh, in yeah, he's a janitor, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so if I remember correctly about the story, and I, I'm sorry, it's been so long since I read it. But I think Finn consistently beat this guy in like their training, like their their combat arcs training, and they that that developed like a grudge rivalry almost from that guy. They made this whole backstory for this character, which was completely unneeded. That's but awesome. that's awesome, though. Yeah. It's so it's still so weird to me that he like recognized Finn, and I guess I yeah. never thought about it. But like, I was just like, oh yeah, I guess they would have seen each other with their helmets off. But yeah. like at first, I was like, how do you know that that guy was <laughs> <laughs> that that guy was like a trooper? He was always wearing a helmet. Like I just never really yeah. put two and two together because like, can you imagine any of the stormtroopers from the original trilogy with their helmets off? No, it's yeah. weird to think about, right? But th- this is like the first time you're seeing this type of. Yeah since the original trilogy and you're just like huh yeah i guess you're right they would have taken the helmet that's weird that yeah probably in the commissary yeah. you know eating snacks yeah, with exactly. their helmets off well <laughs> there was that one episode or two episodes in uh rebels where they were um uh ezra went undercover and he was in the uh stormtrooper oh uh, yeah academy right, program, yeah. right. I remember that. so that's they would take their helmets off right yeah mm. I, I remember that now. That, that's a that's a great that's a great episode. Yeah, I completely forgot about. Um, so where are we at here? Finn, yeah, Finn. Finn has that great scene, and this is the scene we were talking about earlier with the bowcaster that we kind of alluded to. The bowcaster is featured so prominently in this scene, where not only are people get hit by it, but Han uses it, and when people get hit by it, they get obliterated they start flying not only that, well not only that but i saw parts of their um armor fly off yeah which so you don't see it was, really right. you, you you really ever see that before so 
when you do see that, it, it, they, make, they make it very clear this bowcaster has a lot of heat behind it. When it smacks somebody, it sends them into orbit, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, but also relevant for later on, which we're, we're, right. we, we're going to talk about. Um, but then they start getting pushed back. The resistance comes to the rescue in that great scene that we have with Poe that we were talking about earlier and we're, you know, where he's sniping people on the ground. Um, really powerful scene. I had a lot of questions about it. I was like, okay, how did they know there was a battle going on here? Right. And why were they not on those Republic planets that were blown up? And like, where do they come from so fast? You know, like I, I had a lot of questions about, I don't know. What's going on with the They scene? travel at light speed. Who gives a crap where they were coming from? Well, yeah, uh, I mean... In, I, I assume this is all, like, local stuff, and, like, Maz Kanata probably called, like, as soon as her house got blown up, I assume she made some phone calls. Because she knew who Han was. She knew who Leia was. And, like, she knew, like, That's their fair. marriage was, like, on the rock. So, like, I assume she's got, like, you know, so, at least someone on speed dial who could, like... A red phone, like... Yeah, exactly. Leia, get over here. Your hubby is in trouble. So yeah. I guess we have to assume that there was an eighth planet of the Republic that Leia and like, well, remember uh, though, like I told you, is the Resistance okay is is not really part. It is part of the Republic, but they're just like, yeah, you guys do whatever you want. Like also, I I, I forgot to write this down, but I remember reading about it in the book Bloodlines. It goes over Leia's political history and how she was a a, a large figure in the Republic, and then it, I guess there's this really interesting part of her story that comes out where it comes out that vader was her dad and it absolutely tanks her political yeah, career i heard about that oh that's awesome yeah that's yeah really, that's really cool <laughs> there's like a propaganda campaign launched against her that actually tanks her political career which i think is amazing it's, it's how could you cool. prove that though i mean like you burned vader's body <laughs> know. you know and like the, is there any record that shows that anakin skywalker became darth vader and she's just like but my last name's organa yeah there's no paternity test right. he is not the father <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't read the book, but I read about the book. And Think I, about I how old she is, and she's probably like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with working with these people. Because from the beginning, well, I guess from the beginning of End of Return of the Jedi, she always had issues working with politicians, mm-hmm. bureaucrats. So she probably is like, you know what? Screw this. F you guys, I'm out. Yeah, she I'm probably fencing. she probably didn't even like him when she was like working in the Senate. She just liked them more than she hated like the Emperor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um but speaking of Leia, after the resistance comes and saves the day, uh Leia lands. We get a reunion between Han and Leia. Oh no. That didn't happen yet. We we have to have Ray versus Kylo number one, where Kylo suspends Ray, pretty much just isolates her. And does like a, a weird like finger clip thing where he knocks her unconscious. Oh, yeah, he does like a literal like mind wipe where it looks like he just like yeah. wipes across her forehead and she just like falls like one of those like push yeah. puppet dolls like the wooden <sighs> ones. Yeah, right. But what what I what I wrote down for this specific scene was that, and I and again props to Daisy Ridley because when Kylo froze her, you could really see like the terror. She was having because not only was she having a panic attack from this crazy force vision she had, but all of a sudden Kylo Ren is standing in front of her and blocking all her blaster bolts. She had never seen some of the lightsaber before, right? He's blocking all these blaster bolts she's firing at him, 
she's probably never seen that. That, that that's crazy enough as it is but then he's got this black robe he freezes her she can't move he's talking to her i mean that is a horrifying situation and daisy yeah. really sold it perfectly have you guys ever had sleep paralysis yes but um, but fortunately for me i knew what was going on beforehand uh i did not the first time and i just i like i think i remembered the word sleep paralysis and just kind of like kind of assumed that's what it was but i was just like mm-hmm. did i die like am i dead because like i can't open my <laughs> eyes i can't move my body <laughs> right. whatsoever i i had that happen and i literally thought it was satan yeah right. <laughs> like, i literally because i didn't know about those sleep paralysis and i had it probably like three times and i was just like i thought it was satan you know i i but then uh but you know it's funny as you bring that up the other night, not last night, but the night before, I had a dream that somebody came into the house, like I thought it was real, and they grabbed my neck, and I was trying to lift up, so I had like a minor sleep paralysis because I couldn't, and then I remember I just let loose a little bit, and then I like jumped up, <laughs> and I, I literally woke up and was like jumping out of bed. I was like... That was a weird moment. So that's funny right. to bring that up. Well, like, right, yeah. That's like the feeling I got when he like froze her. And I was just like, oh no, like that's actually a nightmare of mine. Like this oh, is like okay, terrifying yeah, that yeah. he's able to like have this power over someone else. Yeah. Like he had complete control over her. He freezes her. It's like interrogating her right there. Realizes like, oh, I, I need some like more time. I need to like handle this on the ship. Does like, like I said, that, that thing, which we haven't ever seen before that or since then, where he just wipes her out completely which i think is like interesting because you imagine if kylo ren has the ability to like pull information from someone's head freeze them it makes sense that he'd be able to just knock someone out as well just like completely shut their consciousness off so then he takes ray and carries her into the ship han sees her finn freaks out um and they fly away but then leia comes down but first you gotta you can't forget. You see Han looking at Kylo. Yeah, yeah. Right? Han sees that. That's it. Han sees him, and Kylo. He sees Kylo carrying Rey into the ship and then fly away. So Han's like, "Oh, there's my child, right? <laughs> my Satan dark side child." <laughs> um. But yeah, then then Leia comes down. They have a nice reunion where she's like, ah, same jacket. And he's like, no, new jacket. You changed your hair. And it was interesting because I felt like we were getting a reunion. I think that's what they were going for. The fact that we were getting a reunion more than those two were getting a reunion. Because that's what it felt like to me was like. But it wasn't on happy terms. That's the thing. That's what clouded the whole them two getting back together. It wasn't on happy terms. It wasn't like, oh, sweetie, come here. And like, I saw him. I felt like there was obviously conflict going on in their relationship. But to me, it felt like even even though that was happening, they were still happy to see each other for the first time in forever. That's what it it came off like to me. Um. But yeah, I thought it was funny. He was like, no, new jacket. But it's the same exact jacket. But he bought the same one. Uh, and then we get Chewbacca, obviously, hugging Leia, which is a sweet oh, yeah. scene. You know? and it's it's funny. It reminded me a lot of, uh, the remember, like, the old TV movie, It? Where, like, the kids finally, like, reunite after, like, for their, like, high school reunion because, like, someone dies yeah. or whatever. Like, it had that same sort of vibe where it's just like, oh, hey, it's good to see you. I'm glad tragedy could bring us together once again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it, was, it was so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it was it was a depressing reunion. 
But to, to be fair, the scenes where Han and Leia are together, to me, it felt like they didn't skip a beat. Like, their characters just came back together so good. Where they're, you know, later in the movie, they're going through the plans, and Leia's like, don't say, or Han's like, I'm trying my best, or whatever. I forget what he exactly says. And, and Leia's like, when did that ever help? And don't say the Death Star. I'm like, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, that what I would funny. imagine them saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, we're basically fighting the Death Star. So, like, what yeah. do we want? Like, we we have the playbook, you know? <laughs> like, Big giant Death Star. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then we, we get the scene of, well, I guess it's exactly the scene we're talking about, where uh, Han and Leia are talking, and Han just goes, I just think there's too much Vader in him. And I wrote down... Next, I was like, they 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 really, they really just gave up on him. Also, that's such years? an incredible because that's like this wasn't my fault at all. It was your crappy dad's fault. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just him yeah. completely shirking responsibility. It's just like, huh? I wonder if like the loner, drug dealing smuggler. I wonder if that had any influence on their son's like less than stellar outcome. No, it was like the space Nazi father, uh, grandfather. <laughs> like it's gotta be. Can't can't be me. No, no, sir. No, not me. Not now. <laughs> right? Like who would have who would have guessed Han Solo is not a great dad? Yeah. This thought? is like a typical dysfunctional family almost. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they, they. I just. I started. They just gave up on him, and I just can't get over that. After the, the, I realized that when watching this movie this last time, I was like. Well, it's like, it's hard to feel bad for Kylo. Like, he, he was always scared of being abandoned. They, like, really show that in episode eight. And then, like, everyone proved him right, you know? Yeah. Except for Snoke. Because, <laughs> like, again, we find out later, Leia was a trained Jedi. And she was, according to episode nine, just as good as Luke, mm-hmm. if not better. She could have done something. But if we take all the movie's stories at face value, literally, she just chose not to. Right. And she like, could have said, hey, twin brother, we need to go get your nephew, my son, because this Snoke, you and I are going to have to take him out. Right. And we're going to die trying. And I, I would also like to, to say it doesn't make sense to me that Leia never looked for Luke either. Like, I think if you really take Leia's story, it doesn't make any sense. Right. That's why when she didn't go with, when she didn't go with Ray at the end, I felt that was a little weird. Like, well, well, again, you say that like, she was like, you know, discarded from having a political career because of like someone finding out that Darth Vader was her father. But like, again, I'm sorry. Like if it doesn't happen in the movies, like it doesn't count, you know? Right. And so like, I assume she was too busy, like trying to run the new Republic. Like that was the vibe I got the first time I saw it was like, she was so consumed with her political career that like, yeah, but she remember, didn't have time she... to mess off and find Luke or stick up for Kylo or, or sorry, Ben. Right. Um, but at, at that point, in in the Force Awakens, she goes to uh, Jurassic Park girl and say, "You're my number two, and you're gonna run this shit, and I'm gonna go find my son." You know, yeah, fair. You know, yeah, Lord Dern, fair. Lord Dern, right? Um, yeah, yeah it just—it's really hard to get a good grasp on Leia's character here because then she has a single conversation with Han, and she's like, "All right, go." give him a shot they're still good in him i know it and i just can't bring our son back i just yeah bring i just our can't son help back. but be like why now obviously kylo ren's been wreaking havoc across the galaxy for the last 10 years we have to assume that yeah why now and they just don't 
go into detail. Maybe there were some deleted scenes or something. Um, yeah. It's because the cameras know. are on, man. Like, I think that's, like, the only real explanation there is. It's because it's like, well, we didn't do it yesterday. When's the best day to quit smoking cigarettes? Today is the best yeah. day to quit smoking cigarettes, you know? I guess. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we get the Kylo Ren and Rey interrogation scene, the famous one that I think starts to kind of pull apart Rey's character, as we mentioned earlier. This is the first time we see Kylo Ren take off his helmet because she says, like, something like, there's this masked man trying to kill me. Wouldn't I want to kill, wouldn't you want to kill him too? And he takes off the, the mask. And um, there's something that slipped through that I didn't notice before. And he says, I need your part of the map. We got the rest of it from the Imperial archives. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Isn't that kind of like a, like a, is it kind of like a, I don't know. Came out of nowhere, right? They, they just have the rest of Luke Skywalker's map from the Imperial archives. I don't archives? remember him saying that. So I have to go back and look at this. Well, they do. Yeah. Cause they, they had like an incomplete map before. Like they had the map of the galaxy or like part of the galaxy where he was in, but yeah. like, not like the specific path where he was like the, yeah, so the I'm sorry, the, uh, like... the resistance. Um, well, no, R2-D2, I thought, was the only one that had, had it, yeah. the final piece. So he was looking for the map that Ray had seen, but it seems like he would already had that part of the map. Not super clear. I will give you that. Yeah. Um, I think this part's really interesting, though, because of like what the mask means. And so, like... Vader was like imprisoned by his mask. Like that was like a monument right. to all of his shame. Like that was, right. he was like this beautiful, arrogant person. Right. And then like his arrogance is like what cost him like his physicality. Like, you know, he went from being, he went from looking like Hayden Christensen to looking like a computer mouse, you know? Right. Um, and so the fact that like Kylo <laughs> is like electing to look like him, he takes off his helmet and he's got like a beautiful scar free face, you know, like he is completely fine, but it's just like him wanting so bad. He's just such a poser, man. Like it's great. Right. Like the fact that he so wants to be Darth Vader that he just like insists on wearing this helmet, even though like there's no function to the helmet besides like the, he's, he's doing like a uh, black, uh, like Darth Vader face basically at that point. Right. Like yeah. he's like cult- culturally appropriating Sith culture. At that point, yeah. Too. yeah, it's funny you say that because, like, he's like the anti Vader, he's yeah. like the complete opposite of Darth Vader, and he doesn't realize it because Darth Vader, like you said, was imprisoned by a suit, he hated his suit, he tried to get another suit built, and the Empire shut it down, or the, the Emperor shut it down, and the Emperor made the suit purposefully painful for Vader to wear to increase his power to make him more hateful, yeah. you know, and and Kylo Ren doesn't know any of that. He just knew that Vader wore all black and had a helmet and was a bad guy, it seems like. And it's like, yeah, I can't take this guy seriously because he's just like, like we said earlier, like a bratty kid who's a poser. And yeah. I think it's, I think, I think it's amazing that like, I think that's exactly what they were going for too. It seems like it was. Well, it's like, um, you know, when you're 12 years old and you listen to the Smiths and you're like, this is incredible. But like, you don't understand the Smiths until you're like 20, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I like the cure. It's like, no, you don't, man. You don't understand them yet. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> but then there's the scene we talked about earlier where, you know, he tries to pull the information from Ray, interrogator, and Ray overpowers them, reverses it. And she says the really important line to Kyla's character that she senses all his fear and that he's afraid he's never going to be as powerful as Darth Vader. 
which is like something that I feel like is obvious from his character, but he had never come face to face with before at that point. That was a big slap in the face, a big wake up for him. Right. He's like, "Hmm." also super meta again, you know, scared that like this villain's not going to be as iconic as Darth Vader. And like, Mm -hmm. no one ever was. I'm sorry. Darth Vader is like one of the most iconic, if not straight up the most iconic villain of all time. Like no one's going to compete with him. I'm sorry. Um, Anybody can see a silhouette of Vader and know exactly who it is. They, they, can he, they can hear a picture of Darth Vader, you know, yes. like that's how pronounced he is. And like in the public self uh, subconscious, like he's just there at all times. Yes. And so like, yeah, dude, you were never going to be as, as powerful as Darth Vader. I'm sorry. You were never going to have the cultural impact that Darth Vader was. Um, and so that's right. another like, I think, metatextual line, which I think is just like awesome, but also frustrating. I, I don't know really how to feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I have, a, I have a lot of problems with this scene. I think it, it breaks down not only Ray's character, I think it breaks down Kylo's character. It's really, in my opinion, for me, like I said, I love this movie. This is the worst part of it, is they just give Ray everything she needs. I don't know the reason behind it. I don't know what they were going for. Like I said, I think, I think they probably had a bigger... I think this was probably meant to be uh, another foreshadowing of who she was, but it didn't end up working out. So now I kind of look at this, this scene with a little bit more disappointment. Then I don't remember exactly why Kylo leaves, but he walks out and then Ray uses the, the force influence to influence Daniel Craig's character. Like we talked about earlier and gets out on her own. And then Kylo sees Ray missing and has his meltdown number two. Um, which I think is, I think this one's really funny because this is when the, the stormtroopers come around the corner yeah. and they hear him having a meltdown, like it's every other Saturday. So good, it's and they just turn around. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're like, oh, he the, here we go again, and they knew exactly what was happening, and they just left, which I think is amazing because that's another like thing we're talking about with Kyla's character, like where they amplify the fact that he is this like dude who cannot handle any stress whatsoever and just breaks down at the first sign of stress and not getting his way, which I think is incredible. Um, and then they decide they're going to launch star killers base again. Do you guys remember where they were launching it? They were going to launch it at the, um, where the rebels or where the resistance was. Seems a little bit overkill for one planet, but whatever. Um, and then we see like a classic scene of the resistance and the rebellion talking about how, talking about Starkiller base. And the the thing I hate the most is they're just like, oh, we have to destabilize the core. There must be an entry point somewhere. So it's, it's just like, like you said, George, just like a new hope, like it's just like a new hope and episode six, by the way, where they're like, oh, there's a weak point right here. We'll just get right in there and blow it up (laughs) which is funny because they kind of invalidated that as the movies went on right because like we find out that like the reason it was easy to blow up the first death star was because mads mickelson made it so it was easy to blow up the first death star (laughs) and so it's like all right what's your excuse this time guys because you didn't have a sympathetic rebel designing the specs on planet star killer you know yeah um and just like this is where to me this is where it starts to crumble yeah and the fact that, okay, it just, it, the pieces fit too perfect, you yeah. know, 
So, um, because yeah, then Finn starts talking about the the shields and, um, and they they, they create this plan to destabilize the core. But there's either way, the resistance moves out, and Han and Leia get one last kind of like bittersweet moment together, and then they start enacting the plan to rescue Ray and blow up Starkiller base before it gets this last shot off and kills a whole bunch more people. Classic kind of heroics. And there's this really weird scene where Han's like, I'm going to just going to jump through their shields at light speed. And Finn's like, you can do that. And Han's like, I never asked that question until after I've done it. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, he he didn't do something dissimilar earlier in the movie, right? Like, didn't they light speed out of, like, the big ship they were in with, like, the weird monsters? Like, didn't yes. they go through the door? Like, they didn't, like, blast a hole in it first, right? Like, they literally light sped through the door. Yes. All right. That is super weird. And, like, that's not technically wrong, because, like, there is, like, that's what, like, quantum tunneling is. It's just, like, the idea that, like, an electron can be outside, like, there could be something between an electron and, like, its nuclear core. Like, like that's right. totally a thing that's, like, being discussed in science. I barely understand it, but I understand, like, the the, the most basic principles of it. Um, right. And it's like, I guess, yeah, if you're going fast enough and, like, you're just, like, doing, like, transmatter material, like, yeah, why not? Like, also, this, this film series stars Space Wizards, so, like, yeah. again, it's, like, one of those things where, like, I I don't know if I would enjoy it more if there was, like, such a rigid structure of what's possible or what's not possible. But this is, like, the closest I can get to being, like, it's getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like... Or Han, Han Solo is able to make, like, reactions at light speed is where I kind of fall apart. I'm like... All right, I all right. <laughs> Maybe when you were younger, definitely yeah. not now. Maybe yeah. Anakin, but not. I, I would I would stretch for that too, but yeah. either way, they land, they crash land on uh, Starkiller Base, and we have this amazing scene where like they're trying to figure out a way, and Finn's like, "Use the Force." Yeah, he's like, "That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how the Force works." <laughs> and then they, we find out that Finn was in sanitation. He wasn't like this this badass trooper that we kind of all assumed at this point he he was or at least i did i assumed he was like this highly trained like special ops soldier no i'm just a janitor super smart dude for a janitor though yeah good good grief and i don't mean that like condescendingly i know lots of janitors are smart people but like and i don't know if like the knowledge he has is like basic knowledge in space because like he seems to have a lot of technical know-how like a lot of technical know-how for someone who in theory should not have been briefed on such materials for mm-hmm. Starkiller base. Uh, but it is funny to be like, Oh yeah, I guess there had to be stormtroopers and sanitation. Never thought about it, but yeah, <laughs> of course there would have to like, so, yeah, like someone has to like kill the potatoes, man. Like, right. <laughs> you never think about it, but like, absolutely. No. I, I, I love it by the way. I love it. What was that coach? I said, we have a machine for that. Oh, you, you do now. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have, you just foam in this thing. It's like a big sandpaper inside and it just oh, super peels cool. it off. All right. Well, someone's still got to drop them in, you know, someone's right, still. There you go. There you go. <laughs> By the way, I love, I love the back and forth of this part of the movie because Finn is hell bent on getting into rescue Ray. Right. And this whole time Ray is like, actually, I'm just going to walk out of here on my own. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good on my own, <laughs> you know? Um, and then they end up getting inside the base where they find Captain Phasma once again 
And she's just kind of like, she's just there and she just gets beat up, activates the shields and throws them in, gets thrown into a trash compactor, I guess. That's where I was just like, you know, that, that part like, was... What is the point of this character and why didn't we just throw her out? Not even that, scene? but that would never happen. Like, she would alert people. Like, that's just not going to happen. And what's the chances of them and that huge base running into her? Like, imagine a huge, back in the day, the World Trade Center, right? And you get in there. You don't know where you're going. You know a general area and you just happen to run into her. You know, I just, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it, you gotta remember, like, this, is, this is a planet-sized base, too. Right. I don't really know if the base encompasses the whole planet, but we can assume that it's, it's extremely large. That's right. not that's not fair, though. I mean, like, I guess it's, like, kind of inconsequential, you know? But, like, what are the odds that when escaping Naboo that the ship would crash land near Moss Espa, which is where Anakin Skywalker was? Like, what are the chances, you know? Sure. Like, I, I, like, you can just do that for so much stuff that I feel like it's that's not fair. fair to do it here. Yeah, well, right. but the thing is, is like, but she being so high up, she's not just going to be like, okay, I surrender. I'll go ahead and turn it off. Yeah, she would never do that. Someone that high up would not do that. I kind I agree. of agree. I think it's a it's a, it's a weird scene, and it, it's it's. I really hate Captain Phasma's character. I really do. I hate that character, and I I think it's 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 because of stuff like this where it's like she doesn't do anything over three movies, besides like is just there kind of. And I, I, I thought she died like three times throughout these movies and she just keeps coming she back. she the third and... one? No. Yeah. No. She's, is she not? No. Because you remember her eye, you could see her eye in the second one. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because I, I was thinking the battle with Finn happened in the third one, but it does happen in the second one. Um, but yeah, she just keeps coming back. I hate Phasma's character. Um, but... Then we, we, we kind of move into the end of the movie, right? Because right after this is when Han and Kylo have their confrontation. Something that I think can be taken multiple ways when they, they, they meet up. Because, and I don't know, I, don't, I wish I would have gotten this, the authentic experience, but I had this part spoiled for me. Did, did you guys get spoiled? One of my students, yeah, one of my students said it. I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me? I'm gonna go see it today." Yeah. So yeah, I was. I got for this. I got mugged like two weeks before this movie came out, and I was just in like such a weird place mentally that like I didn't connect to anything. Oh really? I and so <laughs> I got mugged in San Francisco. Yeah, and so like I didn't engage with like literally anything. And then this was like the first time I like took myself out like by myself since I got mugged was to yeah. like go see this movie but like i think i went out at like a matinee like i like blew off classes that day if i even had any or like i think my semester had just ended like it was some timing where like i was able to do this i had just moved apartments and uh i just like took myself to see it. so i had nothing spoiled for me but also That's like great. but also you definitely got the vibe as soon <laughs> you're just like oh this is not gonna end well and then like i remembered everything that like harrison ford had said about episode six and i was like oh no <laughs> like yeah, so in my opinion, every time I watch this, I, I get the feeling that Kylo Ren wasn't lying when he was talking to Han Solo, where he was like, I, I feel myself being torn apart 
You know what I'm saying? Like it, it does seem like there's a lot of conflict within Kylo Ren. I think they they give you that throughout the movies where it's like he's pretending to be someone he's not. He feels he has to be someone he's not. And that really deep down we we have this vulnerable guy who's just looking for like a mentor and a place to belong is how I I, I view it. And his dad let him down, his mom let him down, Luke Skywalker let him down, everyone's let him down. So he kind of find found his way here, and now he's faced with Han Solo, and he's been told forever that he needs to let go of his attachments, and you know Han Solo's his dad, and he feels hurt by him, and so he ices Han Solo, and probably doesn't feel any better afterwards. You know, that's 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 kind of how I viewed it. Well, yeah, for me, it's like it emotionally, it didn't do anything for me. Like we, we didn't see anything with Han and Ben, you know? So like when he killed him, it was like, okay, that's, that's the feeling I got was like, okay, that happened. But it wasn't like the feeling we got when Vader said, Luke, I'm your father, right? Because we had this tension between the two, you know, a little bit in the first movie and then in an empire, right? Right. There wasn't that same feeling when um, when Kylo got him, you know. Luke, or- but this is but yeah. this is uh, this is what I enjoyed about it is you got to think Chewie mm-hmm. is pretty much the uncle to Ben, right? To Kylo, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So he's seeing this, and then. Without hesitation, he wanted to take out his nephew. Blast him. Like, like he wanted to end his life right there. And, you know, I mean, when I look back on it, I'm like, I, I would not be surprised if if Han told Luke or Han told Chewie to change Ben's diaper, right? Like right. they had that interaction. Like sure. Ben was probably crawling all over uh, <clears throat> Chewy and stuff like that. So Chewy loved Ben. Chewy right. probably but, taught him how to fly, man. You know, right. <laughs> so when he, without hesitation, boom, that, when I looked at that again, I'm like, I like that part more yeah. than I did. Cause he Han screams. Dying. Chewbacca screams yes. out of anger. You know, that's his best friend. Yeah. Dude, that's, yep. that's what I was thinking. Like there's the scene in episode four where like, Luke yells no as Vader like kills Kenobi. There's the scene in episode three where Vader finds out Padme's dead and he yells no. You know, there's just like all these great dramatic scenes throughout. There's like uh, Hugh McGregor, sorry, Obi-Wan seeing Qui-Gon Jinn die. He he gets out like a good no. There's Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader going no, no. Like like, there's just so many great scenes with no. This one hits me the hardest because like you can't understand what Chewie's saying, but you know exactly what he's saying. (laughs) It's like that yell... That was rage. That was rage. Yeah, that yell. I feel that one in my heart, man. Like that was such a great noise delivery that the (laughs) the sound department did. Right. But remember, Chewie also had one in nine that was very depressing when he found out Leia died. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that one's. And then uh, Ray had one when she thought Chewie died in episode (laughs) nine. 
Well, that was so that's, that's a whole different thing. Episode uh, yeah. nine has a lot of really fast moments that I'm sure we're gonna get to. I'm uh, yeah, um, I'm not gonna be able to defend episode nine as uh, <laughs> as well as I, I think I have to. But 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 George, what is your uh, what was your take on this scene when you saw? I know you said you were in a weird place, but obviously seeing Han Solo die is yeah that that meant a lot to me. I will be honest. I always thought Indiana Jones was cooler than Han Solo growing up, but like Han Solo, sure. undeniably awesome. You know, yeah. um, but again, just like the metatextual reading about like them, like literally killing the past. Like, I, mm-hmm. I thought that was really just like interesting and like kind of bold, but not surprising just because of how Harrison Ford did speak about episode six and how he wanted Han Solo's character to die in episode six. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, like he totally could have like put one between the eyes on Kylo. Right. Yes, yes. There's a there's a great comic. I don't know if I shared it with you guys the other day, but I, oh, I it's like an eight eight panel comic, right? That someone yes. made about just like him seeing that, and then like him like aiming for his head, and then like him remembering every memory with like baby Ben, and then yeah. him just being like son of a bitch, and then he just like aims the crossbow down yeah. and like hits him in the thigh or wherever or like the hip wherever he gets him. One thing I think is really amazing about this too that a lot of people forget about this scene because they're so overtaken with Han Solo dying is that Chewbacca goes absolutely buck wild here, starts blowing shit up and starts like killing people and like absolutely just in a, in a blind rage, and starts the actual destruction of Starkiller Base. Right, it starts it starts going off the rails because of this, and then is when Ray Finn and Kylo all end up in the forest. Yeah. And we get the climax of the movie with Ray getting blasted into a tree, knocked unconscious, and Finn just doing his best <laughs> to, to hold off this Jedi. But George, you said you had the interesting theory about the bowcaster. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we were talking about this earlier. You, you hinted at it. Um, all we were seeing the entire movie was like how powerful this bowcaster was. Like you explained that right. like dudes are getting blasted into orbit. Yeah. Uh, they didn't even have to be hit by it. They just had to be near it and they would just be launched. Uh, right. And then Chewie hits Kylo Ren, like gets like center mass on him, you know, like, and Kylo Ren is still like standing up. So like that proves a, all right, Kylo Ren, kind of a badass because we saw explicitly like they very clearly demonstrated to the audience how powerful this weapon was and he took it and like at first i thought that this was like kind of him being a masochist i don't know if this is him just like getting like his powers or whatever but like the way he like hits his thigh like right where he was shot just to be Mm -hmm. like i can take it like i can keep dishing it like i can i can keep taking it i i thought that was like kind of incredible and like him being so weird in that entire scene because like he clearly just went through a lot like i i'm with you I don't think he wanted to kill Han Solo. Like, I totally believe that he was conflicted. And then he just made a decision that he couldn't take back, you know? Okay, real quick. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. But, okay, so, and I just thought of this. And going back to earlier what um, Seth was saying about Vader's suit is he felt so much physical pain in that suit so that he could tap into the dark side. And I didn't realize, what if he's hitting his wound to feel pain so he could tap into the dark side. Very yeah, well that, that's kind of yeah. how I viewed it was just like, he was so full of rage that he was just like, Oh, cause I've seen people do that before when they get angry. They'll, they'll like, you know, they'll just start like hurting themselves. Cause they're crazy. They're absolutely out of, out of like, you know, normalcy at oh, that point. Yeah, yeah. And, um, 
I just think it's so like I feel the the desperation from Finn in this fight, right? Where he's where like Kylo Ren, it comes off almost toying with him. You know, Finn yeah. is like desperately trying to like like defend himself, and Kylo Ren just pushes it up, pushes him up against a tree, and uses the exhaust port to burn Finn. And I'm like, oh, that is sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is sweet. I love it too. Cause it's just like, dude, even on my worst day, you are nothing to me. You know, (laughs) like I just got shot in the leg. I just killed my dad. I got like a lot going on mentally right now. Um, (laughs) You're just here and I don't even care. I don't even notice you. Like it's, it's so good. One thing I do think is BS about this fight though is when Kylo Ren kind of spins behind him and slashes up his whole back, Finn somehow survives that. I'm like, all right, JJ, you've seen, you've obviously seen Star Wars before. This is not how like lightsabers are supposed to work. Well, it looks surface. You know? It looked like a surface scratch. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I don't think he like really got him. Like again, I think he was toying with him. Like he didn't cut I mean, him in I half. I do too. Whatever. Darth Maul was cut in half and he came back. Like what? Whatever, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> true. True. He was. Darth Vader had both know. of his legs cut off and like both of his arms cut off and was like left in like a pool of lava. So like I don't know. I'm willing to forgive. Like if I don't see or you know like i'm like all right yeah. like that's fine okay that's that's a good point i like that point that is that is fair you you bring up a lot of counterpoints to my single argument is this the first by the way is this the first movie we don't see someone with their limb chopped off in there's a lot of limbs chopped off in star wars yeah not in the first one in episode four no in episode oh, four right. in the bar no in the bar panda baba gets his oh, arm yeah, chopped yeah, off yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i don't think anyone gets their limb chopped off in episode seven that's crazy i never thought about that before uh, I'll be honest. I, have not, the... I did not rewatch it this week. Uh, so I I'm do, I want rewatch it like two weeks ago with my dad, and so I'm like, oh, that's, that's early enough. Uh, but I will rewatch it soon and and look for that. Um, but no, I think it's awesome. Um, I I want to talk about the next part. So like Finn gets like knocked out, yes. and uh, Kylo sees like this artifact right of like Vader. You know, like this was like before he was Vader's like lightsaber, yes. and he tries to pull for it, but like the lightsaber is not coming. And then all of a sudden the lightsaber starts moving and it runs past him and it's being called to Ray and Ray is able to like outpower Kylo to grab it. And like, correct me if I'm wrong. This is like the first time we get a piece of like original star Wars music, like uh, from the original trilogy. Like this is like when the theme, like the, like when Luke's like staring at the sunset, right? Like it's like that song. Yes. I believe this is like the first time there's like a direct callback to the original trilogy. And like that moment just yes, cuts it's also me the first just cuts me into like it just it, say, it wrecks me emotionally. It's also the first time we get the classic lightsaber sound. There, it's it, it's a different sound when Ray ignites it this time. It's it's more of a classic lightsaber sound. Whereas before, when Finn had it and was just like using it, it was a different it was a different ignition sound. Oh, so you think that it's because Ray is a force user that it's going to sound? It's going to have no, a little no, no. Bit more kick. I don't. I don't think that. I think that that was the intent by J.J. Abrams. Okay. When she grabbed it, like George said, the music hit, and we hit that. We hit that nostalgic lightsaber blast. Wow. They obviously meant for that to be like a huge moment, and it was. Um, now, what did you guys think about the lightsaber seemingly having a mind of its own? <laughs> um, I didn't read it that way. I didn't either. Okay, how'd you read it? It just as her being like more, I, I guess, like compelling. Worthy? Yeah. Yeah, I thought just she was more worthy of it. 
Which I guess I guess you're right. Like I guess at that point, like there that does imp- like impart a little bit of agency on the lightsaber itself, where it's just like, yeah. you know, the last time I was really used, I just murdered a bunch of kids. Uh, so <laughs> I kind of want to redeem myself, you know, <laughs> like. Well, because the 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 imply that earlier too, because Mos Kanata is like the lightsaber; it calls to you. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And we we never really got that impression of lightsabers before. It was always kind of well, the, these like, were just like weapons built by the Jedi. But I guess the a more the, civilized weapon from a more civilized age. Yeah. Since then, they they've expanded upon the Kyber crystal, I guess, and, and kind of made it seem. Like the kyber crystals choose the wielders as well, so I guess it does make sense in the, in the act, overall lore of Star Wars. We we had just until this point never seen a lightsaber act that way, um, and then we get after that what I think is a, an amazing lightsaber battle. I, by the way, I love the choreography in in this this fight. Coach, I agree. You're, you're shaking your head. No. Why, well, why? okay, it was good, but I just I this is the part where is the biggest letdown, the second biggest letdown. I, I mean, I agree plot-wise, but the choreography... The fact that something... she outdueled him, I'm like, no. Bro, like, he just no. got shot in the thigh Still, by someone, matter, by a gun that can launch people into space. Like, that's but the thing. Like, she she's has... never... No, I no just... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Continue. She doesn't have the training. She doesn't have the training of the lightsaber... Of that, I mean, she has her her staff, right? That she she knows how to use. But I just I I just don't see uh, a fifty percent healthy Kylo Ren lose to uh, a newbie. You know, no matter how mm-hmm. strong in the force she is, that was to me that was just like, come on, man. If if you didn't want her to lose, have them at a standstill. And then have the, um, the you know, what should we call it, divide, right? Mm-hmm. Like it did. But don't have her whip. She kicked his ass at the end. Like it wasn't even like they dueled. And then once she felt it, like she's holding it up here. And then, you know, the force called her. Then she was unstoppable. Yeah. So that is the, the that's the part of the fight I do have a problem with. Um, but I will say, first off, like I was saying, I think the choreography in these new star wars lightsaber battles is amazing it's, it's like very raw and emotional especially in this fight um it's not super flashy like we saw in the prequels but it's not super like legitimate like we saw yeah it's not like technical sequel. right like yes. there's no like technical expertise like you can't right. tell that someone's good with a lightsaber you can just tell that they're stronger or weaker based yes. on like how reactionary they are or something like i can't quite piece it together but like you're absolutely right in the original trilogy george lucas told them to wield lightsabers like they were extremely heavy broadswords he wanted them to seem extremely heavy Mm. and they used a lot of technique and it was more of a legitimate fighting style in the prequels obviously he was going for a more flashy spinny and you know you can like both of them I, i i like both of them but the sequel lightsaber fights are my favorite because it's very much a a mixture of kind of the two where it's like very emotional. The lightsaber fights are very emotional. You can really feel the impact when they smack each other's blades. I really like that. Um, but I do agree with Coach. The moment when she like 
they're in like a, a lightsaber clash and she like closes her eyes and feels the force and then it, it like 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 gets a power up i thought that was kind of lame but i will say to the other side though kylo ren was injured they did seem like they were trying to make it it seemed through a whole movie that that injury was a big deal through the bowcaster and he was also trying to turn ray he was it seemed like he was from my point of view like he was taking it easy on her because okay, he was trying to, to convince her to come over to his side and then she kind of she kind of took a a cheap shot almost not a cheap shot but surprised him i would say right sure surprised okay. him. <clears throat> and also now, totally, remember, that, that scene where she closes her eyes she like stops being ray at that point and she becomes like a conduit of the force so like that was the will of the force at that point. So like, that's another, like my interpretation of it where I'm just like, okay, like she is like just channeling direct light side energy. Like, of course she's going to be able to like whoop this dude's ass. who just got shot with a mortar in the thigh, you know, like I'm willing, like I'm willing to overlook that, you know? Yeah. Remember in episode three at the beginning when um, Anakin defeats Dooku, Dooku, hands hands him his ass. Yeah. Dooku is a Sith Lord at that time, but from the moment in episode two when he cuts off his hand to that point, they fought multiple times. Mm-hmm. So, and Anakin failed those times, but then, you know, that last time he just destroyed him. And that one, that fight, I thought was one of my favorite fights. Um, yeah. Lightsabers. Like, you know, he didn't have that moment where, like, okay, I feel the force. He just, he schooled him. He took that old man behind the back and ended it for him. Yeah, but again, like like Seth was talking about, like that feels like my technique is better than yours. Whereas like the fighting styles I feel like directly reflect the person more than like, oh, this is the school of Yoda. Or like, oh, I was instructed right. by Mace Windu, who is the strongest lightsaber user of the Jedi Temple. You know, like it felt very like less like instructional and more reflective of the character who is bearing the lightsaber, which like, I think is interesting. Yeah. Who said that someone made it in, I don't know if it was, uh, if it was in one of the animated movies, but they made a comment. Um, Oh, you're, uh, Oh, I know it was in Jedi fallen order. Remember when the, the main Sith or the, the inquisitor, she's like, Oh, you're, um, you taught you were taught by so and so because you fight uh, stance whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you said that, that that it clicks. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like I think I just I I love the scene because it's in this really cool dark snowy forest and it's it's shot really well. The colors are really great. You can really feel the impact of the lightsabers and Ray does beat Kylo Ren, albeit a weakened Kylo Ren, um, that was trying to convert her instead of kill her. But then we we, we kind of are left up to interpretation for the next, like you said, coach three years for until the last Jedi, um, and then we we kind of just get the ending where. Ray comes down, and I think I do think this scene is very bad and weird. Ray comes Which back one? down to the planet that Leia was on, the, the rebellion base. Yep. Gets out and hugs Leia. Yes. And if you think about it, that scene makes absolutely no sense in the context exactly. of the plot because she exactly. had not even met Leia at that point. 
Sure. It doesn't make sense plot wise, but like, again, this is like, as the audience member, like it makes perfect sense to us. You know, it, like it's, it's, it's super weird. And like, I agree that it's like bad because it doesn't make sense contextually within the movie, but also like that is a language that the movie spectator completely understands. Cause it's just like the person who's with her husband's for death. And then like this woman who we spent our entire childhood childhoods with, you know? And so like, it makes it like, it makes sense. And then it's only like after we're just like, wait, how does she know her? <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's like at the moment you're just like, okay, thank God. I'm glad like Leia got to hug someone. But then you're like, wait, it, why her? That doesn't check it, out at all. <laughs> right. And the thing is, is it wasn't just a hug like, you know, it was a hug like she was a family member. Exactly. And, and that sticks to me. It sticks to me to this day when I watch that scene that that's not a regular hug. Yeah. It, so, it, and it, I know that's very much. But... No, that's not nitpicky. I totally agree that she was clearly supposed to be someone like recognizable. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, like if she just like, because Finn was saying, like, I got to save my friend Ray. And I'm sure Leia could be like, who the fuck is Ray? Like, who is that? And then it's just like, right. then she sees her and she's like, oh, it's you. You know, like, yeah. there totally could have been something like that. But they're just, God, what a what a weird topsy-turvy journey yeah. that was. Um, and then we get another weird scene that I think echoes that. At the end where Ray comes down. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I guess I'm forgetting like, a giant part where R2D2 wakes up and shows the rest of the map, uh, which is a cool scene. I, I like the R2D2 wake up. Oh, scene. I love R2, man. Super, I love R2. It's cool. It's also weird. Super where, excited. It's it's also weird where it's just like, all right, so you're telling me you couldn't take out like the flash card in R2 and like figure out the map to Luke Skywalker yeah. like an hour and a half ago. Like like that's yeah. like more of like a plot point where I'm like, eh, whatever. It doesn't make much sense why R2-D2 woke up then, unless he's exactly something sort of Ray. And again, it's like, I oh, because the cameras were on now. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, and so, like, again, that's like, ah, oh, that's whatever. But it's also like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter. So I'm not going to be upset about it. But then we do get another weird scene that is cool at first. It was only until later when I, I watched it again and thought about it. When Ray walks up to Luke and extends the arm out for the lightsaber... And then neither of them say anything or move for like 45 seconds as the camera swirls around them. And it looks cool at first. And then you're like, wait a second. That's pretty weird. <laughs> I love that scene. I love that scene so much. Like just from like a technical, because like they clearly shot that on location. They clearly yeah. shot it in like one take. I'm just like, that's really impressive. Yeah. Like, I just wish she would have been like, are you Luke Skywalker? <laughs> <laughs> or am I in the right spot? Please. You know? <laughs> like, does this look familiar? Look <laughs> <Yes. laughs> what I got. <laughs> but yeah, and I think the reveal of Luke at the end, I remember being really hyped up about that. I was like, oh man, there he is. There's Luke. And then the movie ended, and I just wanted more. You know, I just wanted more at the end of episode seven. I was just so thrilled about that movie with a lot of questions that unfortunately oh, yes. would not be answered the way. I thought they would later on. Especially like who was Snoke. That was one of the biggest questions along with whose parents are Ray, right? That's what we wanted to know. And in episode eight, we didn't get really anything. Also, this is going to sound so dumb, but I want you guys to be completely honest. So like as the planet's crumbling and like Domhnall Gleeson or whatever is like talking to Snoke and we get like that giant projection of Snoke. Mm -hmm. I legit thought Snoke was 30 feet tall. (laughs) 
really? <laughs> Did anyone else think that he was just like a super large, imposing dude? Like, I thought this was like Star Wars, like getting a little weird again, which I was super into. Um, right. And so I got that impression. And then, like, of course, I'm just like, oh, well, I'm an idiot. Like, of course. He's no, just, like, I, did, five, I didn't think five, that. eight and old. <laughs> like, I just thought I just thought he it was like the imposing, like, emperor status type sure, of sure, sure. or he was like i'm they make this giant hologram to honor him but um there i don't know if you guys remember there was a lot of theories about snoke yes when it was coming out about like maybe he was darth plagius uh maybe he was i remember mace windu being tossed around in there they were analyzing like the scar on the head and the and the, and the, the face um and the ring i never thought it would be palpatine because i thought that would be so lazy I was yeah. like, that's so dumb. There's no way they're going to do that. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, I, as, like, a fan of the comics, I'm like, maybe it's a clone of Palpatine because, like, the Dark Empire series, like... Yeah, they did that in the Dark Empire series. Well, and also, like, the Starkiller base isn't that different than, like, the gun they made in the Dark Empire series. I thought that was, like, right. a big inspiration. Um, but, yeah, I, I really wanted to be... Uh, Plages because like I was like oh maybe we'll finally get an explanation for who that dude is and yeah what but but uh Palpatine took him out yeah but also like if he has the ability to like you know create Fake life death. and, and yeah. escape death I'm just like okay let's see how good he was at that you know right. so and, and then that wraps up episode seven um any closing thoughts about episode seven gentlemen it's a good movie it felt very Star Wars, mm-hmm. but it just it missed on a few things. Well, a little bit more than a few, but um, it's it's one. It's my favorite one of the sequel trilogy. I'll put it that way. Okay. It's okay. funny. I remember liking it, and then like the longer I went without it, I was just like, oh, I mean, like it's kind of boring, actually, mm-hmm. you know. And then I saw uh, Last Jedi, and Last Jedi made me like Force Awakens a lot more. Mm. I didn't like Last Jedi the first couple times I saw it. I really had like a, a big turnaround with that. And then I saw, and I still didn't like the Last Jedi. And then I saw the Last Skywalker or like Skywalker, the Rise of Skywalker. I can't even remember what Episode Nine is called. And then that made me really like the Last Jedi. And so it's like every Star Wars movie that came out just made me appreciate the one that came out before it so much more. Um, well, that's similar to me with the Clone the Clone Wars animated series. Once I, I remember a few years ago um, when all of the steelbook cases, the individual steelbook yeah. cases were coming out. I'm like, I'm not going to get one and two because I'm not a big fan of those. But then I went back and watched them after watching all of the Clone Wars and Rebels. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is better than what I give it credit for. So, of course, I got the steelbooks on that. Sure. So I have yeah. liked the prequels more the further I've gotten away from them. I still don't like episode one because I think there's too much nonsense that goes on in episode one. Well, too me. much exposition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I'll, I'll drop a bombshell on you guys. I've loved episode seven from the moment I saw it. And the only time I stopped really liking it was because I watched it too much. And I had to take a break and I came back. <laughs> episode seven is my second favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is, it is my second favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Um and I have a really weird ranking on my Star Wars movies, but I I absolutely love Episode Seven. And I, I when I watch it, I try to remember the context in which I watched it the first time, before I knew what Episode Eight and Nine were, because 
when I think about episode eight and nine, it kind of ruins episode seven for me and the, the mysterious nature of episode seven, where we had so many questions and they set up these great mysteries. Um, but when, when you, when I watch it in a vacuum, I absolutely love episode seven. I think it's fantastic. It's, you know, especially that, that final scene, that lightsaber fight at the end. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it ever reaches the sequel trilogy ever reaches that level ever again, but I think is the top for me. It's really interesting. I'm going to save this for episode eight, but like, I think the fact that episode eight takes place immediately after episode seven is a problem. Oh, okay. And I think the fact that like episode nine takes place, it doesn't seem like that long after, because there's like years between episodes four and five. And there's like years between five and six, although it doesn't feel like years in five and six. It's just like, it's not, it's not shown well. Yeah, in the original trilogy, but there is like a long time between the movies. I don't think there's a long time, is there? Yeah, there is. There's like two or three years between episodes. Two or three, and, yeah. Or between episodes like two and three, and then like a year between episodes like, or not two and three, um, three and four, and then or uh, four and five, and then like five and six. Yeah, but then like, like episode yeah. eight takes place literally like minutes after episode yes. seven, which I think yeah. is like a big problem. I do and I'll, I'll go into like why I think that's a big problem when we do our episode eight, because I assume we're doing that next, right? I can't wait. I've had a blast doing this. Yeah, this is super fun. Also, I don't think the next one's going to be three hours because we don't have to talk about right. <laughs> reintroducing ourselves to Star Wars or Star Wars reintroducing itself to our lives, however you want to yes. look at it. Because um, that took up like a solid 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> yep. And the, <laughs> the speculation. Well, we're that. at 258, so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, oh, I loved every second of it, brother. Yeah. I loved it too. This was great. And we will reconvene uh, for episode eight. I hope the audience members, if you guys listen to, I hope you enjoyed the more of an open aired conversation around episode seven. That wasn't full of rage <laughs> and more of honest discussion. That's why I'm, I was kind of looking forward to the sequel trilogy. Um, it's more honest discussion about star Wars, man, because there's just not enough of it. It's always just one side or the other and fighting constantly. And it's not, it's not enough to be a star Wars fan. You have to be a fan of a certain special part of star Wars nowadays right. so i think if they real quick before we end if they were to do an animated series similar to clone wars but in this time area i think it would do a lot of justice it would help fix a lot i think well, there's a lot of rumors i don't love the clone wars cartoon and like i don't think i've even finished it just because there was like episodes that netflix added and then there was episodes that disney added and so like i don't know what i've seen and what i haven't seen mm-hmm. but i will say that that stuff definitely made me appreciate the prequels more right and so Same I think here. if there's like more like sort of like world building between episode seven and eight and then eight and nine, like I think that would actually go a long way towards like winning people over. Cause I think the clone wars eventually won people over on the prequels. Yes, I think so too. And there's a lot of rumors from really reputable sources that say the next season of Mandalorian is going to be a time skip into the sequel trilogy and that we're going to see Ray back as a Jedi. Well, if you think about it, the oh, yeah. Mandalorian I mean, I mean, is yeah, the too. Mandalorian is like a year before uh, the 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 uh, Force Awakens. It's like really close. I thought I it was like so. twenty years before the Force Awakens. Is like, it? I, I thought Force Awakens yeah. was like twenty five years after Return of the Jedi, and then the Mandalorian was like five years after. Okay, Return no, of the Jedi. I'm sorry. So Battle of Jakku is it's I think it's I think that's it. That's the Boba Fett is like a year after the Battle of Jakku, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's where. I'm... All right, gentlemen, I'm going to 
stop recording before we start rambling on about the Mandalorian and rumors and speculation. So I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Thank you guys for joining me. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you sitting down for three hours. Um, and we will do this again for episode eight. Hell yeah. Peace.